In 40 seconds, we will begin the show. Welcome to the Absolute Guard Podcast, the podcast where we chronicle the past and the present of the fighting game community and bring on various perspectives from the Arizona uh, fighting game community. My name is Benny, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, John. Hi, I'm John. Um, So we're both competitive fighting game players and tournament organizers with over 10 years of experience in the community, and we're based out of Phoenix, Arizona. Our podcast is available uh, here on Twitch at twitch.tv slash spiral series, YouTube at youtube.com slash spiral series as well as on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. You can check out our pilot episode on there and uh, this same episode later on. Uh, Thanks to our listeners for the warm reaction to our pilot episode. It got us super excited, so we upgraded a few things, as you can see on the stream layouts and whatnot. (laughs) Uh, Big thank you to Jelani, a.k.a. Rocknin, for our logo and for also providing our theme music. Um, And one last announcement is that we're going to be switching to a weekly format thanks to the positive reception, and we're going to be moving to Thursday evenings. So starting next week, we'll begin airing on Thursdays at 5 p.m. weekly. Yep. And then uh, today's show is going to be about coaching in the FGC, uh, community building and TOing. And also on that note, uh, we're going to talk about banning things as a TO. And uh, to help with that conversation, we're joined by our special guest, Rick. How's it going, Rick? Not too bad. How are you guys doing? Not too bad. Doing pretty good. Doing pretty hey, there good. I am. Hey, hey. Yeah, you're on the, <laughs> you're on the TV now. <laughs> cool. So why don't we jump into our first topic of the day, which is going to be coaching in the FGC. Well, actually, we're going to uh, let Rick intro, kind of introduce himself oh, first. Right? I apologize. Yeah, so, intros, intros. So, <laughs> so Rick, um, the gamer tag that I've always known you by is uh, Rick Dog. So if you can give us a little bit about... Uh, Kind of the origin behind that whether that was something like you created or whether that was something that uh was bestowed upon you like how did that come about yeah um well i mean it was it was a joke so when i first <laughs> moved to arizona yeah i i regret that name sometimes but when i first moved to arizona <laughs> in like the early 2000s i was starting to play uh cbs and nbc2 cbs1 i'm trying to remember the year i can't remember exactly and i started entering tournaments i just you know was starting to like uh, just play and so they asked, like, what do you want your handle to be? And I had no idea. I was like, um, I don't know. And then my buddy with me was like, why don't you just put dog in your name? Like every, every MC is doing right now. Because like all the MCs, all the rappers were like, you know, little dog, big dog, Chris dog, whatever. And I was like, yeah, screw it. Rick dog. I don't care. And so I never thought of another name. And I kept entering tournaments and I started like making friends. And I started traveling and when I traveled, I entered tournaments and I kept Rick dog. And then all of a sudden people started knowing me as Rick dog and I couldn't, I couldn't change it. So I was stuck with Rick dog and that was, it was just a joke and now I'm stuck with it. So, <laughs> Oh man, that's great. I actually, until yeah, recently, now, now it's, now it's Rick daddy, but that's, <laughs> I have Tucson to thank for that, but yeah, we'll get to that later. So 
Yeah, no, I was gonna say like, yeah, there's other variations I've heard like Rick Dad, Coach Rick, other things like that. So, <laughs> yeah, <That's awesome. laughs> but yeah, that's 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 the origin of the name. Um, nothing nothing fancy, just a joke that kind of stuck. <laughs> it's a joke that's that lives on to this day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's great. Um. Oh, so uh, you mentioned like when you moved here, like, uh, but just in general, like your fighting game origin story, your beginnings. When did you mm-hmm. get started with fighting games? I've played fighting games all the way back on Street Fighter 2 um, back in 95 or something uh, when I was like 15. Um, I would, <laughs> I grew up in a very, very poor environment. So I would actually uh, walk around the desert in California, find aluminum cans, take them to the recycling center and get like three or four dollars of, of, you know, money. I'd go to the bowling alley and I would play Street Fighter 2. And so, uh, but I, I didn't know what I was doing. I just thought the game was fun. So I just played it. And so me and my childhood friend, Curtis, we would do that um and then killer instinct came out and i remember when killer instinct came out the old super nintendo game um i went to scandia scandia which is kind of like a a, a golf land yeah. thing that i had um and they yeah. had that there and i took that game serious and i did i did pretty well on that but there i mean I, I grew up in apple valley there wasn't like a big scene there wasn't like you know tournaments to go to local like close enough anyways because i didn't i didn't have money to, to travel so i just kind of dominated my little you know seeing there in the desert and then um life kind of progressed and then i moved to arizona so i really don't think i got serious serious in the fighting games until i came to arizona and then i would say cvs1 is probably the first game that i was like okay i want to get really good at this game i want to see if i can you know place so nice nice you mentioned apple valley like i have uh my in-laws have a house in victorville that 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 same scandia that's like on that way there yeah it's still there oh my god yep, okay. still there i was that's actually awesome. just there visiting uh family like last month so it's still there oh that's awesome i don't know if the game is still there or not, but, <laughs> we actually never got in there but yeah like, it's it's okay i mean but it's but it's victor victor uh, victorville's terrible that's that's ghetto yeah. so. <laughs> and it's gotten way worse now um but yeah different yeah. different stuff different story <laughs> very cool uh, but yeah so when cvs1 came out um i but before that, though, I was actually, you know, I was working at the mall. And so I would go to the arcade at the mall and uh, Marvel's Capcom and then NBC2 was fairly new. And like the characters were still being unlocked, like okay. on the arcade. And I tried playing it. Right. I'm terrible at, at versus games, but I love them. And uh, yeah. I started meeting a few people. I think I'm trying to remember because Jeff was one of the first people, Jeff and Scott, or some of the first people I met. Just real um, quick for our listeners, Jeff was uh, the guest on the previous episode podcast. So yeah, these guys are buddies. <laughs> yeah, Luke, Luke's balls. Yeah, Luke's balls and Saber. Um, OGs in Arizona for sure. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember the exact order of who I met or when I when I met them, but I started meeting some of the East Valley players. And uh, CVS came out, and then we all just started kind of hanging out and playing, going to the arcades and playing. And and that's I don't know I just fell in love with that game. I was like, okay, kind of reminded me of like. Street Fighter 2 when I first started playing and I was like oh okay it's a controlled more zoning type you know flow which is for me personally that's what I like so so CVS 1 was your jam then um yeah that that was the game where you couldn't pick your ratios right it was just like yeah correct the characters were locked in at certain ratios right and then you had like each character had an SA game version and a Capcom version okay and usually when I hear about CVS one or CVS in general, or like EX version, I should say, go ahead. Sorry. Uh, I usually hear about CVS two mainly. Um, so what, uh, did you end up playing CVS two as well? Oh yeah. CVS two is the game I probably played, um, the most outside of 
gosh, cross Tekken. But uh, CVS one was only out for, I wasn't out for very long. I'm going to say maybe a year and a half, two years. I'll have to like look up, um, you know, Google it to make sure. But then CVS two uh, came out. It felt like CVS two just came out right away, like right after CVS one. So one didn't really get that much time to play, which oh, is yeah. fine because one was pretty imbalanced. We found out pretty quick. So okay. I've heard horror stories about your Nakaruru in season one. <laughs> <laughs> or yeah. series you one. know what's funny CBS is one. actually I picked that character. Um, this is before I again I was this is the first game I was like I want to take serious. So I wasn't really like chasing a tier list. And this is also back before like knowledge was really shared. Uh yeah. you know well as it is now. There wasn't event hubs, right? There was a Shuruken, but it was like mainly used as a forum. It wasn't a, a place to like last all this information for the masses everyone kept it for you know major tournaments like why would i let everyone know these secrets until the tournament happens right can't really <laughs> do that anymore but um yeah so see i'm sorry what was the question again oh i just did you play cvs2 and it sounds like yeah you did. <laughs> yeah i did i'm sorry so uh oh nakaru that's right so we we're talking about nakaru so yeah so the um i just i picked her because when i did go to the arcade back in apple valley i would play um samurai showdown just for fun and i just okay. thought the character was cool i just liked nakaru and i was like oh shoot she's in cvs1 that's awesome we try it and then i quickly found out that she's completely busted like everything is safe like and it's just <laughs> it's, it's dumb the bird shenanigans like you could just jump off the bird and it feels like you have zero frame recovery it's, it's great so not quite as strong in cvs2 but i still played her in cvs2 very cool so, you know, you, you've dropped a couple different uh, fighting games as far as like, uh, rather, you've said this names of a couple different fighting games. And of all the different games you've played competitively, like what would be your favorite? Um, It's it's pretty close to CBS2 and Cross Tekken, to be honest. I mean, okay. actually, Vanilla Street Fighter 4 was a lot of fun, too. Um, But I, I might be a little biased on that one. Vanilla but... Street Fighter 4 is actually how I met you. Um, yeah. In a, in a weird tangent. Oh, Niners, right? Yeah. Even before that, like <laughs> I was I was scared to enter the community or like like get to know anybody. And so I had like one of the first potential parasocial, parasocial relationships where I saw Rick on stream on oh, Devastation right. stream originally in 20, 2010, <laughs> oh. I think. And oh, okay. that was when streaming, it was streamed on Justin TV, I think. Yeah, oh, Justin TV, yeah. Yeah, so like <laughs> that was before all of this this stuff was around, even whether or not YouTube was actually a thing or the concept of a YouTube personality. So I knew Rick from the stream, and so when I met him in person, I had no idea how to introduce myself because I'm like, I know you, you don't know me. <laughs> yeah. Was this, was this at um the university's uh, tournaments? Yeah, yeah, that's that's in the Street Fighter Four era. Yeah. Right, right. UAT. Or UAT. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, you don't want those. Those are bad. <laughs> University of Advancing Technology. And yeah, actually, someone right. in the chat right now is the one who got me to come out, Reese uh, Freestyle. So very cool. Oh, okay, cool. It's a mini reunion here. <laughs> yeah, hey, I remember you saying that um, you saw me on stream first, but I couldn't remember how how it went when we first met. Like, I don't remember exactly. Yeah, it was DJ Wheat, I think it was who was commentating it. And so he he also was fascinated by your name, Rick Dog. <laughs> oh, it's really not that. It's just a terrible story. I wish there was a good story behind it, but it's just no. It's not good. I got way better stories like being kicked out of a casino than my name. <laughs> I think we'll get to that one at some point too. <laughs> Very cool. Um I think but yeah, that's... I would I would say CVS to um pre-roll canceling i know we'll get into that later uh pre-roll canceling uh and cross tech in but it's funny because like before roll canceling uh cvs2 the big complaint everyone had was how much time it took to play the game 
Mm. Right. And it's the same complaint that people have across tech it. So I'm like, maybe there's something here that that's, I like games that you have to take time and like, you know, really, I don't know, zone out your opponent. I don't know. Maybe there's something to it, or maybe I just like to be a turtle. I don't know. (laughs) More chances to download your opponent the longer it goes, right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Very cool. Um, So why don't we go ahead and move to the next topic uh, in our uh, second episode here, which is going to be coaching in the FGC. And I think this is super relevant to uh, having Rick on because he's one of the uh, strongest coaches that I've seen in our scene. Oh, I appreciate that. Um, So... Just a, this is just a general conversation for all of all of us in the group here. Um, but I was curious about what what do you like? What is your coaching style like when you're when you're looking to coach somebody or when you identify someone who could use some coaching? Like, how do you how do you approach uh, that topic? Like, if if somebody if somebody hasn't asked me, like I just go up to them type thing. Or or uh, let's 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 start clean and say, what if they ask you for coaching? Like, what do you look okay. for? Uh, I mean, I'm just going to watch them play first and foremost. I want to see that if there's any habits I can, I can pick up on if there's like, okay. So before we can get into that, that I think how this really started, um, <laughs> this is going to be silly. I'm sorry, Ricky Ortiz, if you hear this, I'm not, it's not me picking on you. Um, there, gosh, I don't remember what year it was. I think it was the first year Street Fighter four and I'm at Evo and then watching with, you know, 12 Arizona players and Ricky Ortiz is playing and he would do this one pattern every single time. If somebody DP'd him, that wasn't an anti-air DP, just DP'd him, he would immediately follow it up with his own DP. Oh. And so I call I called it the Rick rule. And I was like, this is the Rick rule. Like, and then I started noticing that other people were doing it. And so I don't know, I think that might have been a, a point where I started becoming instead of just a spectator, more of like an analyst. And I started uh-huh. like analyzing people's matches and try to like recognize patterns um that they might not even know they're doing you know it's kind of like a disrespecting if i if somebody wakes up wakes up dps you you feel very disrespected right and you yeah. just want to slap them right back in the face like well, you can't slap me in the face i'm gonna slap you in the face and so like <laughs> that's what I, I noticed and so i think that's what kind of like started turning something uh, something in my mind switched and i started like really trying to focus on analyzing people's play patterns and I started just commenting on other people's play. And I think that's kind of what got into the coaching part okay. of it. Cause then people would start asking me their advice. Got it. So <clears throat> if somebody asked me to coach them, I first and foremost would watch and see if I can find out if there's any uh, patterns, any bad habits they do. Right. Yeah. Um, I know like Isaac, uh, he's asked me to coach a few times. <laughs> Funny. He, I've known Isaac for a while, so I can get away. I don't do this to everybody. I only do this to Isaac. So <laughs> I think it was a, uh, casino, Arizona tournament, a Red Bull tournament. And he asked me to coach cause it's a top eight match. Yeah. And so he's, I'm watching him play. He's playing, I think he was playing against like an Ibuki or something. I can't remember. And I, we have this saying, it's like, stop playing like Tucson right (laughs) like wake up dp shit and so i'm like watching him play and he starts doing it and i'm like isaac and he's like i know i know i need to stop doing it i'm like no no you don't understand if you do that again i'm slapping you in the neck because i'm I'm standing right next to him while he's playing (laughs) and he does it again i shit you not he'll he can confirm it i just turn around bat middle match slap him right in the neck and he's like (laughs) i starts coughing i'm like He's like, yeah, yeah. And he stopped DPing. He actually eventually <laughs> won the match. But <laughs> I was like, I'm sorry. I didn't really mean to hit you. It was kind of like a reaction. But I've known him for a while, so it's kind of a different thing. But uh, no, he's like, no, thanks, thanks, thanks. But, you know, it's, yeah. 
I don't, that's, that's probably a terrible story to say. I'm not a violent coach. <laughs> like, it's just with Isaac. I've known him, I know him long enough to do some stupid stuff like that. With. I do want to revisit that story later, but first, uh, oh, Benny, yeah, it's great. Benny, when you're, when you're coaching somebody, like, what do you look for? Like, how, how, what's your style like? Uh, for me personally, like, I mean, the only coaching moment that I really can remember is, uh, is actually during the, like, the boot camps. Like, when we started Street Fighter V, uh, John ran like a boot camp series. Uh, at our local at our local uh, place, uh, the gaming zone. Basically, we had ten stations. Like everybody was ranked, and then you could kind of level up. You know, go down from there, uh, just to kind of you know set that up. And basically, um, there was one match. I think it was for like promotion. It was for for Maynard the the X button. And I remember just watching him, and like you know, for me, like it was kind of the same thing. Like I'd look for kind of patterns or habits or like opportunities that I would see that he'd be missing. Like if the, if I saw something that he wasn't like catching on to, then it'd be like, you know, you could punish this with this, or, you know, you could do this at this time. And it's one of those things like that's, that's kind of my style. Like I'm not, I'm terrible at picking up on habits and patterns. Like for the most part, like I get called out on it personally. And it's just like, Hey, you do this all the time. I was like, Oh, I, I had no idea. Maybe I'm just on autopilot. But yeah, for me, it's just a matter of like, yeah, just recognizing like, like those kind of missed opportunities and pointing those out. Okay. So yeah, what I've seen here is that there's almost two sides to a, to a coaching style where it, you're either you're, you're kind of sharing information about the game and you're going a little bit more technical as far as like what's possible in the game and Hey, you can punish this thing or Hey, you know, if this is your turn now they're minus after this or something. Right. Or yeah. you can go the other ang angle and look at the player personalities and the psychological game and look at, player tendencies like a dragon punch like we can say that the dragon punch is you know it's three frame startup so you might be able to option select it with a crouching short or something all of that or alternatively you can say well this person's dragon punching constantly or they're doing the rick rule and they're they're just <laughs> dragon punching in response to you so maybe you you pump the brakes a little bit right right yeah so it's, it's kind of interesting seeing that there's i definitely uh think it's best if you can do both but it's just it's going to depend on the player because like i will going back to that same question like what you asked me i, I if it's somebody i don't know that well mm -hmm. i'm not i don't want to overwhelm them i don't want to overwhelm them and yeah. be like oh you know this you can do this you know you can do this you know you can do this and they're going to kind of forget yeah and so i try to like if it's somebody newer right i'm going to say okay you know what let's let's dumb it down a little bit there's this one pattern it's not safe find a way to punish it and then once i get to know the player I'm like oh okay then i'll start getting more technical with it but I just don't want to overwhelm somebody. So yeah, I've actually been on the the receiving end of that. No, not the 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 other end of it, where I've overwhelmed people before by yeah. just being like talking about frame data and stuff. And you that's can make not, it worse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because then they get they get yeah paralyzed basically because they're thinking about all these new things that they weren't thinking about before, as opposed exactly. to like an isolated situation. And they, yeah, they just don't play their game anymore. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, there's been a. I don't know if you remember Rick, but there's been a couple of tournaments you've coached me at. Um, I think one was uh, Street Fighter Five. The first year it was at Evo. Like I honestly don't remember much of the advice you said during the match. I think it was kind of like, you know, just pointing out things uh, here and there. But the one that I do remember was this. Uh, I think it was undefeated at the Grid in Mesa. Um, I, f I forgot who I was playing. I think it was a birdie player. But I remember. Um, it's funny you talk about that tough love thing with like Isaac because like I could see this kind of being a moment like that because like I remember there was. You know, I'm playing Dawson. This guy's playing Birdie, and I remember you in the background. You're standing. You know, I think I asked you, like, "Hey, can you help me? Can you coach me with this match?" And you yeah. said, "You know, in the middle of the match, you know, I'm playing whatever." And then you say, "Like, whatever you do, don't put yourself in the corner." And immediately after that, like, I threw a fireball and I teleported behind him into the corner. Right. And I just remember hearing <laughs> you in the back saying, 
what did I just say? Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> and, I remember that. Yeah. And I was just like, and I was like, it's a, you know, I was like talking to myself and you at the same time. And I was like, it's okay, it's okay. I got this. <laughs> I gotta read. How do I reach these kids? <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah, Speak- I do remember that actually. That's uh speaking of these kids, um, another so kind of keying off the story about slapping Isaac in the back of the neck. Right. So you were, you were basically just right on the stage with, cause I remember this was, this was on a stage at yeah, the you were there. Arizona. Yeah. Right. And yeah. so you were on the stage with him in the spotlight and everything. Right. Yeah. And you know, there's a lot of debate in the community lately about, you know, coaching at majors in particular. I think that's actually a security thing, but like whether or not coaching should be allowed at majors. Right. And I'm curious about your guys' opinions on that. Uh, do you want me to go first? Yeah, go ahead, Rick. Um, so I I actually agree. I think coaching um, – well, I guess I agree and disagree. I, I don't think you could ban coaching. I don't think that's – I don't think you should do that at all. I do think you should ban a player sitting next to another player because now you have – you are – I don't know. There's two, there are a couple of different things. You're getting crowded on a player's you know space. The opponent might get a little intimidated because there's – other people besides the person you're playing against so there's extra factors involved and if this coach is like screaming things to do like i don't know if that's fair on either end of it to be honest so i i am i am with that like i don't think the coaches should be actively at the station while a, you know a big match is happening now the same thing happens though with players so i'm I kind of thinking thinking about this as i'm answering the question the same thing is like spectators are going to be yelling stuff out too. Right. So yeah. I don't know. I come from, I come from an arcade background. So this is a little, this is a little different for me. I'm not, I'm, I don't get riled up or, you know, I don't get flustered when there's people hooting and hollering and telling me I suck and all that stuff. Like that's what I grew up with. Yeah. yeah. But these that's new players, you... like I, <laughs> they're not, they're not, you're not used to that. They weren't born that way. Right. So they're going to be like, yeah. why is this fair that I have that he has a coach and I don't, so I, I don't know. I go back and forth on it. I do think coaching should be allowed, but I think it should be more of like, okay, in between ra- uh, matches or between a match, like you can go to your coach and talk to him. Let's, if we could drill a little bit deeper, like we also have smartphones now, right? And I, this yeah. actually happens a lot with um, uh, uh, top players. They all, they're all in group chats, right? And they're trading advice yeah. and whatnot. And so you'll see like a stream, well, pre-pandemic you would see it like on a stream like a camera shot of the player you know in in a rematch screen waiting and then just looking at their phone and you know the question is whether they're looking at matchup knowledge like frame data or like an app that they have for notes or are they talking to someone now you know right yeah yeah it's that's a tough subject um how do you how do you stop that do you put time limits on between matches like i don't know it kind of makes me think of um the Milwaukee Bucks, that one guy that got the three for line, he always takes like two fucking minutes to. I can't remember his name. Go talk, guy. Oh, guy you know what I'm talking, I'm talking about. about Giannis. Yeah, yeah. About Giannis. <laughs> it's terrible. Like, you know, first off, now you're wasting time basically for everybody else, not for you, but for everybody else. Uh, yeah. But is it is it a, is it a fair playing field anymore? Oh yeah, I gotcha, I gotcha. Yeah, because yeah. like, I mean, I guess, I guess my thing too is like, I was gonna, I was gonna kind of talk about that too in terms of like the time in between, because like. I don't necessarily agree with like you know, having somebody in you know in real time while you're playing sitting there, you know, telling you stuff to do that. But at the same token, it's like like what Rick was saying, like there's gonna be people in the crowd, uh, you know, saying this or that. 
and you know especially if it, you know if it's their buddies or whatever um nico actually just mentioned in the chat he said he had tucson coach bid match and beat him and like then you run into a kind of situation with that and it's just like you know if that happens to you like not everybody's going to react the same like you know if somebody hears hey you can do this against this and it punishes something that you're doing that you were getting away with like is that fair like how fair is that you know what i mean yeah and it's just like this guy doesn't know that but he found out about it from somebody telling him in, in the crowd but i mean you can't you can't police that with the crowds right you know especially like i don't want that with a i don't want somebody like a coach to be there next to somebody telling them what they what i'm getting away with because that's just to me that's not that's not on um that's not that's for them to figure out so so i'm more of an agreement in the times of like having it in between rounds and i would say like set a time limit because i think of like boxing or mma like you know they have a minute in okay. between rounds hey you know your turn to do this or you know you need to you need to change this up you know he's beating you to this punch you need to learn to do this like that that way you can you know you get the advice from your coach but there's yeah. also like a limitation on what you can get from that specific person like you can't control the crowd so i mean yeah it's that's a different thing entirely but for a coach itself like i would say in between rounds and maybe have like a one or two time two minute time limit to kind of discuss things if that i agree completely like i think that's probably the the solution at least when it comes to these bigger tournaments because if you don't put a time limit down and you got these tournaments with like four or 5,000 players and all of a sudden everyone starts wising up and it's, you know what, I need to have somebody watching my match to, to point out something I'm not seeing. Cause like when you're in a, I mean, when you're in a game, a player versus coach is completely different. When you're in the game, like it's hard to see everything because you're so hyper-focused on yeah. just a couple details, but the person outside, they're not having to worry about all this dexterity and moving a joystick and hitting buttons. They're just looking at the whole thing, you know? So I think a lot of it's about like it's kind of like a when when you're dealing with a when, like if I'm playing somebody and my opponent has a coach right and mm. they I'm essentially playing against both of them at that point right because right. they're watching as well and they're examining my tendencies as well but there's also a, it's a double edged sword too because what if I also am beating that guy <laughs> the coach as well <laughs> where what if what if the coach is giving bad advice you know and you know most of the time someone if you're asking someone yeah. to coach you, you they have a proven track record but you never know like they could actually tell you something wrong they could tell you the like they could have a bad read as well and then I could take advantage of that you know <laughs> There's there's a little bit of extra meta game there where there's um you could you could really take advantage of the pros and I guess pros and cons of coaching um or alternatively yeah. like if you're flustering like like the overwhelming conversation from earlier like yeah. what if that coach is just overwhelming them with options and then you're mm -hmm. like all right I'm gonna back off and not show those options anymore and so the the yeah. coach just spends all this time hammering out here's how you punish it here's how you punish it and then you just stop. <laughs> and yeah, they're watching yeah. for it because their coach now has put pressure on them to resolve to resolve it, right? Kind of Benny, like kind of how you're saying where Rick put pressure on you to st stay out of the corner, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it's it's a weird double edged sword. Um, and I'm not I'm not sure how to. I I personally don't mind coaching, but there's yeah. a point where it, now it's a security problem where you have too many people flooding the stage. Right. I think there was a Smash player that like. They got a crab thrown at them once, <laughs> like a live crab. I, wasn't that um, like Hungry Box or something? It was Hungry Box. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think was... yeah. I've seen the YouTube video of that. I was like, Jesus, Smash that's hard, I guess. That's a tangent. That's not really about coaching, but also maybe the maybe the crab. I don't know that coaching. scene, man. Not my yeah, scene. Not yeah, my problem. I don't, I don't know that scene either. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. I, I mean, I, I, 
I'm with you, John. It doesn't bother me, but I, I think it's just it's a generational difference, you know. Mm. So, um, and now with tournaments getting so large, there is the logistics side of it you got to think about too, right? So safety, time constraints. Uh, so I I agree with Benny. I think that for large tournaments, or at least if you're getting into like where it's staged, you know, like on stream and matches, it's yeah. just the players. And then if if you want time between, okay, you get a minute between round or between matches. Yeah. That's probably how I would start approaching it. And, to, and then I would just ask, you know, people around me if I was running a tournament and get their advice and make the best decision. I get yeah. you. Yeah, I agree. Like, yeah, I mean, it's just it's just one of those things. I mean, yeah, even as like a tournament, uh, like a stream, if you're running the stream, like having a visual timer, like, you know, that that helps. That's helpful, too, just because, like, you know, the people mm -hmm. that are watching, they they know how much time there is in between rounds, that kind of thing, if you want to take it that far. Um, but, yeah, I, I definitely feel like, yeah, it's a generational thing that, um, yeah, I don't mind it at all, but yeah, it's definitely something that I think as, you know, as things get bigger, like that, there's going to be, need to be like established guidelines and rules for like, uh, how people want to handle that. Uh, in the chat here, SF Punker says, do your homework, play with what you know. And you know, the, <laughs> the, the, the point yep. earlier I made about the, uh, having smartphones and being able to look up frame data or look up, um, all that kind of stuff. I wonder yeah. if a potential rule, like like Benny said, uh, that you could add is, uh, you can't have a phone on stage. You take that oh, away from that'd people. Be, that'd be that'd yeah. be big. Hmm. What do you what, what would you think know. about that, Benny? Like, uh, I don't know because I know I know some people like it depends because I know some people they prefer to listen to like music mm. even over the game sound. Like me, I'm like I want the game sound whatever if if I can focus on that. But there's some people that might want to listen to music. So, I mean, that's something else you'd have to police and like, okay, well, let me make sure that this guy's not doing anything malicious, I guess, if you're going to incorporate that into your rules. I mean, it goes farther than that, though, because you have like Apple Watches and, you know, I mean, if you're going to start to take phones away, then what about every <laughs> other electronic device? I don't know. That seems a lot. Yeah. I'm start having a guy in the, I'm gonna have somebody in the audience with a whiteboard just hold stuff up for me and be like, hey John. <laughs> hey, right? Yeah, you can start doing <laughs> the whole like uh baseball thing, right? They're just like you know. <laughs> doing the signals. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Or like they're pull they're pulling up the stream chat. I bet some players have actually done this. They probably pulled up the stream chat to see what people are saying about them while it's going on. And maybe there's coaching in there too, you know? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, I don't know if that's I don't know if there's a way to take out phones and stuff like that. I think you just put a time on it. I think it's something yeah. you can realistically do. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right, we'll see what they, we'll see what happens down the road. Yeah. <laughs> I reset my Twitch password. <laughs> cool. I haven't been in haven't been on Twitch in a while because uh, the streaming thing because I do music on the site. The streaming thing is kind of done now, so everyone's doing live shows again. Oh yeah, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Um, actually, yeah. Why don't we, why don't we go on a tangent there? So like, sure. could you give us an insight on, on your, your music scene? If you're interested in sharing that on the stream here? Yeah, that's really fine. Um, yeah. So, uh, I do music's my passion. I've been doing production and DJing since the late nineties and, uh, I just started a new bass project. So now I'm in the realm of dubstep and rhythm. Uh, I've been doing hardcore, uh, uptempo specifically, um, for 20 plus years, traveled all over the globe um released on four different major labels now over the last two years so yeah it's going pretty good uh but <laughs> my creative stuff is been in the bass scene so i'm starting this new project so i'm hoping that goes well so yeah Very catch cool. you can see the hardcore is k-o-r-e periods between you can see it on spotify uh facebook um and then the new bass project is r3nd rend 
I, did, yeah. I have seen some uh, some some posts on social media about that, and we remind me to revisit that at the end of the show sure. too, so we can get you to do a formal plug for that. So yeah, no problem. Very cool. Very cool. That's awesome. Well, um, I think we've kind of exhausted the coaching topic. Um, yeah. Why don't we go ahead and move on to uh, community building and community contributions to the scene? Um, just to set the stage briefly, um, in, our, in our pilot episode with Jeff, uh, we we let slip that Rick was our next guest and uh, <laughs> Jeff had had only good things to say. And I think one of his main yeah. things was if you can like, what did he say? He said, there aren't many people who have contributed more to the Arizona scene than Rick. Really? Wow. Yeah. It yeah. was extremely yeah. high praise. <laughs> I don't, I don't know if I deserve that, but I appreciate that. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. He, he had, he had really good words for you. Like, um, yeah, just to kind of preface things like I've technically made two introductions into this scene. Like I'm an 09er, I was living in Alaska at the time, and I was thinking about moving. Had friends here in Gilbert that were there just telling me, hey, come down and visit. So in 2010, I planned vacation, and the first week of it was to come to Arizona. I was gonna go watch a football game, you know, do other things with them. And, you know, I, was, I just started in the seed, so I was like, you know what, let me reach out and see if there's some, something FGC related going on. So went on the Shore You Can forums. Uh, I tried looking for the thread and like the archive. I think I got probably deleted. But I made a post in there basically, you know, asking, hey, is there anything going on there in this week? And I think in November. And you were the one that actually uh, replied to me and were like, hey, yeah, there's uh, there's actually the last, I think it was the last Rambet of that season was going on. And it was in, um, I don't even remember the name of the place. It was a sandwich shop in Awatuki. Like, I just remember it was near Chuck E. Cheese. Oh, that was, had... um, that was the ones I was throwing. Yeah, I think. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Like, you were the one that that reached out to me or replied to me and were just like, hey, you know, this is what we're, this is what's going on in Awatuki. And I was like, cool, I'll see if I can make it. And yeah, you know, I had my wife, my wife dropped me off and, you know, I, I spent a couple, a uh, couple hours there. I think, um, yeah, you were busy with Reg, so I didn't really have time to talk to you. I kind of just like, was like, Hey, I'm the guy from Alaska. I'm here, you know, paid my, paid my five, $10 or whatever it was. And um, I'm pretty sure I went 0 two. I think I lost to uh, like match Chan. I think you were playing Ryu at the time because I think it was you and you and Matt. And then like I got bodied in ca casuals too, and like I played. I remember I played John, and I it, I played Reese too, and that was pretty much uh, the the end of that. And then um, uh, just to continue off of that, so after that I went back to Alaska. You know I was there until uh, March of 2012, and when I moved down here, uh, that's when you guys had started the uh, the Hasbats. I guess the oh wow okay. I want to say like the first season of it just ended, and I came like. I came in March and like, I guess, I think the, I think I found the actual post. It was like literally like in between seasons and you guys were, yeah. And you, and again, you were still involved with things at that time also. So I thought that that was pretty cool. Um, you know, cause you were my introduction in 2010. And then when I was, when I came back two years later, like here you are doing hazbats and in March of 2012, <laughs> there goes your cat. And then, uh, <laughs> Yeah, and then it was, you know, it was like I was doing TO stuff in Alaska, so it was cool to like, you know, again, have that same kind of uh, connection with you there, because I was just like, oh, this is the guy that I met in 2010. Oh, that's I, cool, yeah. Was I, was I doing the um, Second Chance tournaments back then? I think that was one of your big pioneering things. Uh, <clears throat> do you want to do you want to go into in the length about that, about what that what, what a sure, Second Chance tournament yeah. is? Yeah, um, so I guess we'll go a little off on that, too. I, I can't remember... Ben, you have to you have to remind me of that or not? Because yeah, I know there was a point in time during that that period where I was at that pizzeria, um, 
where I was starting, I was like, I wanted more people to get more matches. I want the whole community to get better. Right. And I was like, well, the best practice you can ever get is tournament level games. Like you, yeah. you can't replicate that outside of a tournament. It's really, really hard unless you put money on the line, right? Something's got to be on the line. And so I was like, you know what, let's do, let's do a second chance tournament type thing. And I tried different iterations of it. The first one I did where we would do, I think it was like three or four rounds of Swiss. And then everybody that was two and O or better would go into his own bracket yep. and O and two and worse would go into his own bracket, something like that. Yep. And then, then the lower end bracket, um, this is basically second chance bracket. You would do a regular double elimination and then the winner would get like their money back or something. Right. Or maybe a little bit more okay. than their money back. And this way, I was like guaranteeing everybody would get, I think it was like five or six games, no matter what. So it took okay. a little longer, but I mean, I don't know. I thought it was, I thought it was a great idea. Uh, it's something I, I hope that I see more in the future, especially when the new games come out. I think it's a great way to start leveling up quickly. You just got to get more tournament games, you know? Yeah. I, yeah that... I like the logistics around it was, is pretty solid because like, Nowadays, you have a bunch of setups left over after, as as the main bracket kind of shrinks down, mm -hmm. or you put everyone in that in that high level bracket. There's plenty of setups left to actually run that second chance tournament, and it also has the side effect of just being really friendly to beginners. Um, right. So, like, it's it's a way of it's it's interesting for Rick in particular because um, Benny, you know your your story about how Rick welcomed you to the scene multiple times. Uh, yeah. Like he he did that for me as well, and. You you know OGs you, you get this OGs get this reputation of not necessarily being welcoming to newcomers <laughs> or more like you know hey we came from the arcade culture yeah. so they're they're soft like we're we're tougher than the softies and the O niners right but yeah. uh, Rick is actually somebody I think who's extremely welcoming to newcomers um, and to the point where we were talking about not overwhelming people when we were talking about coaching or um, like ways to help both the veterans and the new players with the Swiss tournament where you can, everyone's got, everyone gains something from that. And that was super, pretty, pretty cool. Yeah. Pretty cool. Yeah. That, yeah. That is pretty cool. Uh, um, yeah. You talk about the, the, the second chance thing that I'm pretty, that, that would have had to happen probably after that. Cause like, like I said, that was the, the one that I went to, I'm pretty sure was the last round bet of that season. So maybe that's something that you implemented after. Cause I, I know for sure it, it wasn't during that yeah. time. Otherwise I would have been in that second <laughs> tournament too. I just know. I just know. I went. Did you get yourself in the corner, then, Benny. Is that the problem? Yeah, Did you get yourself in the would, corner again. I went. I went own two. That's all I remember. <laughs> I went own two. I went to go play casuals, and I was like, "Here, let me go try things over here." And yeah, John and Reese and some other guys bodied me over there. So I was just like, "Yeah, it wasn't the second chance tournament." That's for sure. That's funny. That's funny. It's great. <laughs> if, the, if I could take a trip back in time briefly to because okay. we, we talked a lot about Street Fighter Four and the um the pizza pizza place tournaments, mm -hmm. right? Uh, but did you ever run any tournaments or do any kind of community building prior to that for games that were before me and Benny? Oh, yeah. I was actually just about to get into that. Um, Go for it. So speaking of like tournaments and, you know, I guess contributions to the scene, uh, to be fair, it was a very selfish thing. So, again, I just started off that way. Uh, CVS one, I, I really wanted to get good at the game. I wanted to be one of the best. Right. And again, going back, I knew right away that the the best way for me to level up is to put the most pressure on me i i just think i do well under pressure i think i learn more i think i learn faster and so i was like i need to get more tournaments i want more tournaments i can't stand there's only one tournament happening every month at golf land and only like 12 people are showing up right so i started doing weekly tournaments at my apartment i used to live in the quadrangles it's this tiny 800 square foot apartment and i mean there was gosh there's probably pictures somewhere where they had like 40, 50 people in my apartment and we're on this like custom 
two-person stick that Cigar Bob built, and we're playing CBS One matches till like five in the morning, trying to figure out this tournament. But it started off because I wanted just more, you know, more tournament matches, and so I was like, "Fuck it, if nobody's gonna do it, I'm gonna host." Oh, by the way, am I okay to curse? I keep I forgot that. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right, good. Because <laughs> uh, even if I wasn't, I probably still slip. Sorry. Um, no worries. So it started off a very uh, selfish thing. I wanted to just get better. And I knew for me to get better, I had to get everybody in. Then I started becoming, you know, friends, like some, some of my lifelong friends I've had like, have come from fighting games. It's great. Yep. And mm-hmm. uh, then they started going to the more of the aspect of like, well, I want Phoenix to do good. Well, first off, it was I want East Valley to do good. Because back then, East Valley, West Valley was a, was a big rivalry between us. Um, okay. The West was always better at Marvel, and we seemed to hold down CBS. It was kind of a weird thing. Um, so it became more of like a regional thing. I wanted East Valley to do good. So then after if we weren't doing tournaments, it would be like me, Jeff, Scott, John, and we would like infiltrate, right? We'd go to like Desert Sky Mall yeah. and go to the arcade and see if we can just run the arcade machine and kick all the locals off and never let them back on again type thing. And so <laughs> I guess, yeah, it's just, it, I don't know where I was going with it, but it's basically how it started was because I just wanted to get better, but then it grew into the point where I started to feel like, you know, I want to see my friends do better. And then I wanted to see the whole region do better. And it just got, it started growing and growing. I got a lot of pride just seeing people around me uh, just do well, you know? Okay. Yeah. That, that's awesome. Cause yeah, cause that, that was going to be my question was like pretty much like, what, what was the catalyst behind it? So yeah, I definitely uh, think that there's always uh, some kind of personal selfishness when it comes to, to starting things. Cause like when I started to, to TO in Alaska, it was literally because like things were just running late. Like we were just, you know, we're kind of a small community. I think at most we'd probably get 20 people. It'd be, you know, anywhere from 10 to 20, just different tournaments. And we would start Sundays at like three o'clock. And some days we wouldn't be done until nine, nine, ten o'clock at night. And it was mainly just because like everybody was cool with each other. You know, things were super lax. So it's just like, hey, I'm going to go grab food. I'm going to go smoke. I'm going to go pick somebody up and I got to drop them off and I'll be back. And it's just like, we didn't have any real guidelines for that. And it became a kind of like a pain point for me in terms of like my family and, you know, me working early in the morning on Monday. And it was just like, I can't keep, you know, we don't have a large scene. Like, it, you know, this, right. these brackets should be done in like two, three hours at most. So it kind of, that's kind of where I kind of stepped in. Me and my wife, uh, she reached out to some of the like the local TOs and we're asking them about how, um, you know, how to get things off the ground or what she needs to do to get things going. And that's kind of like, you know, that was a kind of a selfish thing on my part, but it was like, I also kind of looked at it as like, well, I'm sure there's other people that kind of feel this way too, and maybe just didn't want to say something. Mm-hmm. And it was, you know, it took us kind of just, you know, taking that step forward and kind of being the, being the, uh, being the push to like really kind of have strict times and stuff like that. Yeah. If, just, if you don't have like a good schedule, it starts feeling way too casual and people are going to take it that way. And again going back to like trying to get better like i always feel that ram bats or tournaments like local tournaments these are all just training sessions like these mm-hmm. are cool you can win get some money that's great but this should be like looked at as a training session to when you go to a regional right to go to a mat like a big tournament and like prove that's your proof right there right and if it gets to a casual format like that yeah i, I don't see how you could get something out of it so i, I get it and that's awesome that you did that uh where did so you know when I joined the scene, Ranbats were in full force, right? Um, mm-hmm. But where did Ranbats come from? Did we invent them here? Did I don't. I don't them? think some. I don't think somebody invented them here. I, I actually don't know. 
uh it might have came from a california thing actually i'm pretty yeah. sure it actually did come from something alex Vaya was doing actually in southern california training i'm not 100 on that but i'm pretty certain that's where that originated from um alex is a great speaking of community leaders he's gosh probably the best right so cal is it would be lost without him um yeah. he's done so much for them so he, he's definitely pioneered a lot of things i'm pretty sure rambats came from him him mm-hmm. or watson one of those socal guys i'm pretty sure yeah very cool and, and so like did you ever run a season of Rambats, rick or was were like what kind of tournaments did you run when you were when, oh no oh you're talking about like pre street fighter 4 yeah oh no there was um the idea of Rambats wasn't ever a thing uh okay we would do regular double elimination brackets and then uh there'd be times where if we want to do like a serious training session um it'd be at my place or like jeff's apartment and dan would be there scott would be there uh, myself and some other um you know john and we would do just round robins right uh okay. so we would but that'd be more of a, like a intimate training session for the core group yeah okay but there wasn't like king of the hills training sessions ram bats stuff like that um that really wasn't a thing i i saw until street fighter 4 okay so and then benny like with your with your TOing experience did you ever like like did you guys run ram bats in alaska or um yeah yeah so we okay. yeah that's that's something that was actually going on um before i even started toing because like okay. um i started in yeah my first tournament was like march of 09 and like i went to that tournament and then uh i'm pretty sure it was like fall of of that year like they had started Rambat. so i don't know where that idea came from either i'm you know i'm sure it was picked up probably from california or maybe even like a japan thing something like that okay. um but it was something that yeah we'd go we went to like a local video game store across town and um yeah i remember we ran around bets there i got pretty humbled there because like um yeah from my last uh from the last episode i was talking about how i got second at my first tournament i was you know i was feeling myself i was feeling good then we go to ram bats and like everybody's like playing well and i got i got humbled pretty bad so <laughs> <laughs> it did give me motivation though because like oh that's yeah were, that's good yeah there was a couple of players that like really like i just couldn't stand to lose to them so my motivation was to get to the point to beat them and once I got to that point, they stopped playing. And like, whether that was coincidence or not, I don't know. But I was just like, I kind of looked at it as like, well, you guys aren't playing anymore because now I'm above you. <laughs> uh, for our yeah. listeners too, I want to kind of give an explanation of what Rambats are. Um, and maybe I should have led with this, but uh, Rambats stand for ranking battles. And what it is, is it's a single, it's a tournament, but it's a tournament series. And so back before, uh, you know, at least Pro Tours and whatnot existed, the concept of linked tournaments uh, was pretty rare, I think. Um, and so we, what happens is we we run a tournament, and then X amount of percentage of the uh, of of that pot goes to um, a season pot. And so what ends up happening is if you have a five season uh, five five tournament season, um, the pot accrues over that time, and then by the end of it, whoever has placed the highest across consistently across all all of five events uh gets paid out as well in addition to the days uh the the, the tournament of the days payout uh, kind of yeah. a rough explanation but <laughs> yeah right yeah. you get you get paid if you win the one tournament and then you get points for you know winning the placing right. and then there's another pot you can then potentially get and so the strength yeah. of that is that it measured consistency um because you know there's bracket luck and there's all kinds of like factors what if that what if the best player doesn't show up to one tournament right 
Yeah. And it also acted as a as a motivational thing for players to keep coming back because they're like, hey, I need to keep these the score high so that way I'm in a good spot for the season. I remember there was uh, a lot of the Tucson guys were just doing hypothetical calculations of, okay, what if this person gets this place? What if this mm-hmm. person gets this place? Do I have a chance? You know. Um, so yeah, it's funny. Okay. <laughs> I was yeah. gonna say it's funny you mentioned that because like one of the things I implemented as a TO um, was the like the playoff the the, the playoff format. Like we, you know, we did the normal like awarding points, like seven points for first place, and um, coming from a, you know, I was big into basketball and sports and stuff like that. I really wanted there to be like a playoff format in terms of like allowing the lower seated players to have participation into like a bigger tournament. And there's actually, um, I, I yeah, I actually like was looking when I was looking through the the Shoryuken forums, I actually found the post where like I was giving feedback to Rick about. Um, you know, awarding points and having a playoff system set up. And even when I got here, um, I think it's probably on our Facebook group, group somewhere. I was leaving feedback about that. And, and, you know, it's a little bit of back and forth because like some people are like, well, if you win three of the five tournaments or whatever, like you deserve to win the RAN bet anyway. Whereas, you know, I was kind of looking at it from like a, a, like a macro perspective and just thinking like, well, you know, after three tournaments, like we kind of have a front runner and then attendance drops off dramatically. Right. And it's like, why is that? Well, it's because, you know, a lot of the lower level players just feel that, you know, they don't want to come to the tournament. They don't feel like they have a chance at the money or, you know, something bigger. So, you know, if they didn't feel like coming out, then that's why I was looking at the, like the playoff format. And, you know, that I felt that that was a good way to kind of like bring, bring more people in towards the end of the round bats and kind of keep things going. So like, you have like buys for higher placed players i'm guessing uh, well initially like i think the the first thing we did in alaska was just a single elimination tournament and it was just like first round was like first to three second round was like first to five and then the final was like a first to seven or something like that and then like yeah i mean um i think yeah me and john have talked about this before too is just like especially with street fighter being so matchup heavy like that was one of the counterpoints it's like well what if you end up seated number one and you're the best player but then the eighth seated player is like the worst Counter, matchup right. in the game for you you know what i mean it's just like well yeah. I just did all this work to get number one seed and now I got to play this guy that, you know, maybe isn't as a player better than me, but you know, it's a hellish matchup for my character. I, I understand why you're going it with the playoff route. I think there's probably something really cool to do with it, but that, that was the same reasoning why I wanted to do the second chance bracket. I wanted to yeah. keep players there. Right. Yeah. Same, same problem, different solution. Yeah. Rick, do you have a, a background in any other kinds of unique formats like second chance and ran bats and whatnot? I mean, we just did massive round robins, king of the hill type stuff, um, where we would have like uh, this was bigger in third strike because uh, it would be like playing at uh, uh, somebody's house. Uh, Jeff usually because he had he actually had the arcade, um, and <laughs> we would just set a timer like four hours or whatever, and whoever got the most wins over that period then okay. would be the winner. Um, but that was more again. Usually, you can only do that on a smaller you know, setting yeah, usually. Yeah. So I'm actually fascinated by the idea of running a tournament on an arcade cabinet. Um, I, I, obviously there's I, retro I miss games those right days. Now, but... Like I, I do miss the arcade. <laughs> like it's a, it's a different animal. <laughs> uh, what kind of, what, what makes that animal so different? Like what are the challenges or, or benefits of running an, uh, a tournament on an arcade machine? Oh, I mean the, well, first the, the cons are obviously getting the arcade machines right like yeah it takes a lot (laughs) of arcade machines now to run a tournament like you know back when it was like b5 okay we had 64 people and that was a massive tournament like no that's a local now right so um 
but the pros of it, if you can do it, if you can get enough machines to actually run your tournament in a feasible, you know, time, uh, you, there it's, it's, I don't know. It's just like an equal playing field, I guess, in a way, like you're both playing on the same exact hardware. You're sitting, you're standing yeah. right next to the player. Like you can introduce things like, uh, you'd fake button tap stuff. Like, so you'd smack the side of the arcade instead of actually hitting a button. So, so you would do, <laughs> you would move like you would do a DP and then smack the side to yeah. fake them out. Like you just like, I don't know. It's just silly things like that. Like I think it was more of a mind game to an arcade match versus a console match. Yeah. So yeah, specifically no... the, Oh, go ahead, Benny. Go ahead. I was going to say there's no setup. <laughs> yeah, no either. hitbox. There's... There you go, Jeff. <laughs> yeah. No hitboxes. There's no, there's no setup. No, no setup time either. It's just like, hey, that's, your turn. that's the big problem. Walk up to the that. cab. Yeah, just walk, walk up to the cab and play. Yeah. Very cool. And um, but it's just that's not possible anymore. <laughs> so you know, like arcade cabinets uh, in America are head, are, are uh, side by side, right? And so a lot of those those psychological mm -hmm. games are are relevant. But what about for head to head? Did you guys ever run any any of those kinds of uh, turn tournaments? On no, like... I mean nobody really had like those type of cabinets, those candy cabinets or anything like that at the time. Um, mm -hmm. They were super expensive to get. I don't. I didn't know anybody personally that had one. Um, yeah, everybody, everything I saw was side to side, and the the problem though is, you know, they're all usually American sticks too, so you got to deal with that. Yeah. Uh, when you say deal with them. that though, like, are we talking about durability or or like? Well, there's that part of it too, but you know, if if you're not used, if you play at home and you're playing yeah. on Japanese hardware, good luck. Yep. Like, it's a completely different feel. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I did that. Um, the, yeah, there was a tournament or not a tournament. There was like an arcade I visited in Portland, and it had a cab. And it had a bat top, and I was just like, I couldn't do anything. It had a, a bat top and the uh, whatever the uh, the concrete, probably a perfect, the probably a perfect 360. So there's no there's no corners or anything. Oh yeah, yeah, it was yeah, it was a circle yeah. gate too. Yeah, it was a circle gate and the the freaking concave buttons. And I was just like, I could you know I could do some basic stuff, but I was just like, yeah, this isn't this isn't what I use. <laughs> it's a, everyone has some Popeye arms back in the day with the American stuff because you like have <laughs> springs and everything. <laughs> but it's it's crazy because like people that that play on American sticks they have no problems jumping to a Japanese controller. They might break it, but they can play on it, right? <laughs> but it doesn't seem to work the other way around. <laughs> no, I so, personally, I, mean, I cannot play on a on an American stick whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's yeah, you got to spend a lot of time with it. Um, I don't know. I, I don't, I miss the arcade stuff. That doesn't mean I want to see it back. I don't think it's feasible. Yeah. I think it would just be more of a nightmare. Like, if you want to play at home, cool. But, nah, just just put it on a console now. Yeah, <laughs> I think a lot about uh, the the psychological effect of you know like the psychological effect on playing side by side in an arcade atmosphere, but then also like in a post COVID world, there's a lot of players that have joined uh, the scene and have never actually played in an offline tournament before. They played in a tournament and mm -hmm. gotten those nerves before, but mm -hmm. the idea of a of a, a fake button or a dead button or like you know uh, someone like j like like shrugging their shoulders or something when they're about to do a DP, like those mm -hmm. kinds of tells and whatnot. Um, and I actually do remember Rick saying something like that to me being like, I have a, like a visual tell, like a body tell when I'm about to do yeah, a reversal. And you started, you started uh, going back. Oh. <laughs> you started pushing your chair back. <laughs> I remember, I remember yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, good. That's good times. <laughs> See, but those are the type of things that you learn when you play an arcade, you know, you got to look at every edge you can get. So yeah and um, <laughs> maybe maybe that's part of the coaching aspect you know <laughs> i don't know like d benny did you ever did you ever have any tells or did you ever notice anybody like physically outside of the game when you were playing in any of those tournaments 
Uh, no, not not nothing I can really think of. I mean, yeah, it's a, that's I don't know. I guess that's one of those things where I'm just like too focused. I got tunnel vision, that kind of thing. Like I'm not looking at those kind of outside outside things. I mean, maybe you know, I didn't play in a ton of tournaments or uh, like in the arcade scene. Um, but yeah, it's just like I mean, I would look for that kind of stuff like after the game or after I did something. Like I would you know, I would side eye somebody and be like, how are they reacting to me doing this? Mm-hmm. You know, that kind of thing. So I mean, yeah, that's definitely yeah. I don't think I don't think you'll that's really a big factor anymore because I just just as a thought just came up I've in the arcade days like frame data has always existed right but nobody really thought about it back in the arcade days everything was just feel everything was a lot of feel like um okay yeah you know so there wasn't like he does this it's my turn or this person does this so it's my turn or I did this it's their turn like there wasn't this like handshake stuff there wasn't like okay you know whose turn is it now like I'm allowed to do this now it was just like I'm gonna play this game and it was more of a mental warfare than I think it's more now it's more of a um not I wouldn't say like a knowledge check but it's a big bigger part of the game now is actually understanding whose turn it is and you know when is it appropriate to handshake somebody to the corner or something you know what i mean yeah totally yeah i I would definitely call it a knowledge check i think that um i think that's a a certain kind of player that didn't get that that wasn't rewarded for that in older games because it didn't matter as much um but for newer newer players like i'm I'm talking like people like that are doing like card games uh, card game players are a really good example where i think they they like to meticulously yeah. stack the deck and build combos in advance before playing their opponent right and so mm-hmm. those kinds of if you don't know that if you don't know if that combo exists when you're playing against it like that's a knowledge check and in the same yeah. way that hey i i just blocked a crouching strong and that's plus two on block i shouldn't hit a button afterwards but right. i might because I don't know. <laughs> you know. Yeah. No, look, I'm I'm sorry, Jeff. I love you. You're great. <laughs> but like when Cross Tekken first came out and I just picked up Jin because I thought he was a cool character. Didn't know he was really busted yet. And I'm doing because like it, it made me think about when John said crouch strong and I would do crouch strong. And just because it felt right, I would do crouch fierce. Right. Because I was like, man, this feels All like that links. crouch fierce here. Well, yeah, it links on hit. And then on block, it's like a three frame trap. <laughs> and Jeff is playing. Jeff's playing like um, uh, what is one of the fist characters? I don't remember. And he's doing like he's trying to crouch strong back, and I'm blowing him up, and he would just get so mad. <laughs> so that's like a knowledge <laughs> check thing. Whereas uh, Jeff, I love you, buddy, but he's like tried and true old school player. I'm gonna play because it, it feels right, you know, type thing. Very cool. <laughs> but I, I guess maybe because I also have a background in other competitive gaming, uh, like hard games and RTS and first-person shooters. So I, I I guess it was easier for me to go from, okay, I need to learn more about the game now, not just go, it just feels right type thing. Yeah. So I guess speaking of like modernizing your your viewpoints on, on these games, like do you have any advice, both of you, do you all have any advice to someone who is going to uh, run a tournament in 2022 or like old school pitfalls that you ran into and what like that may still be relevant today. Um, do you want to go first, Benny? Uh, yeah. Um, I don't know. In terms of like pitfalls, like, I don't know. I feel like I don't think there's really anything that I don't want to say I ran perfect tournaments for sure. That wasn't it. But, um, I don't feel like there's anything that, um, other than I guess keeping a schedule, that'd be the biggest thing, you know, sticking to your schedule. Um, uh, I think one thing that I implemented or I was talking about at one of our, even our Ranbats was like the station numbers. Like that was something that like 
I think just kind of started out of nowhere because it was like people didn't know where to go. Go play over there, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's just like go go to station two. Oh, this is open, like you know that kind of thing. Um, I don't know. It's, it's, I think that's something that I'd really have to think about in terms of like. Um, I mean, I'm you know I'm always willing to help if somebody's like looking to 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 host something or you know I'm always you know have. Um, I don't know what I was going to say. Um, uh, I don't know, there's a lot that's involved in that too. Like, I mean, securing a venue, um, you know, setups, those kind of things. If, if it's a you know situation where you don't have setups at all, sure. Uh, yeah. You know, working with the community and the players in that part, and you know, there's a lot of things that go involved with that. What's up? Buddy? I think, um, you know, logistics aside, uh, the first thing I, I think you should do if you really want to get involved and you really want to be like somebody who wants to organize tournaments, um, understand that you're a TO first, you're a player second, first off, yeah. right? If, you, if oh. you're going to play. Um, and then before you even think about like throwing tournaments, like enter a lot of tournaments in your scene and see what's going on, see what people are complaining about, like take feedback. Just kind of, you can apply this to anything you really want to do. Just like jump in it first as like, you know, a customer or whatever, like a participant and just, observe see what's going on and then you can make your own notes from it but when you're actually getting into the tournament thing i think some of the biggest um it, it, some of the best advice i can give you is just try to be adaptable like you it's never going to go like you think it's never going to run on time right there's somebody's controller is going to break somebody's going to hit pause mid-match right uh just be adaptable be understanding that these are people that are just trying to play and win uh, there's nothing against you or them, right? It's a competitive yeah. game. It brings out competitive emotions in people. So stay calm, stay collected, and just learn to just kind of roll with the punches. Um, if you're stuck on uh, a decision, don't feel like you have to make it right away. Just say, hey, guys, give me a second. Confer with everybody else you have in your tournament. Find the best solution. Come back to the players. See what happens, you know, and go from there. Now, if somebody is not happy with it and get agitated, then that's the point where you're going to have to be like, okay, well, I'm the TO. This is the decision I'm making now, right? But before you can get to that, just try to, like, be as calm and patient as you can. You just understand there's a lot of emotions going on in competitive gaming. Yeah, I yeah. To, to build on that, I think that one of the – one of the pitfalls that I ran into early on when I was running tournaments was uh, a lack of empathy for the players. And because right. uh, it's really easy to get on a power trip as a TO because people are like your boss and people around, you know, go, go here, go there, play this, play, play your match right now. I'm not waiting for you because you're, mm -hmm. you're holding up the bracket, all that stuff. But there is an aspect where, and this Rick, your advice about entering the tournament is a really good idea where, you know, if you just lost a match and then the TO is shouting at you to get off the station or something like yeah. it's, it's yeah. it's pretty heartbreaking and so like it's really easy to forget that as a to that uh players have like they're trying really really hard to to win and like it, it'll crush them at times and being being willing to give them their space being willing to give people breaks um being like hey you just played a match do you want to play again some people want to some people are like yeah i'm hot yeah. right now let's go let's go but others are yeah. like you know i need a i need a bathroom break or something like that, right? yeah i need to bring my heart rate back down yeah, yeah. exactly I need a cigarette. <laughs> <laughs> so anybody got any Coke? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that, uh, that, that came up once at a tournament I was at. <laughs> oh, wow. oh, really? Not yeah. in Arizona. I mean, Not in Arizona. <laughs> Marvel players are... I love them. I love Marvel. Like, I... You know what's funny? Side note. I feel like my personality as just a person matches the Marvel crowd way more 
than the regular Street Fighter crowd because just this crazy partying all the time, right? Yeah, we're talking oh, about yeah. soft drinks, by the way. Uh, yeah, like, I like, and, I like uh, Diet Coke personally, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, regardless. Uh, we won't go there. <laughs> Fair enough. Oh, man. But yeah, that's that's why I to, to hit on that, on that point again. I really feel, like you said, uh, empathy is a big thing. You just got to understand because – being a player first too is like playing in tournaments first you should understand that you've been in these situations before so carry that with you when something arises when you're a to now yeah yeah that's a that's a that's a big thing it's funny you talk about like uh the the empathy thing that actually happened like so what happened in my first the first tournament that we held after we had established like you know we're gonna run on time all this stuff so one of our top players wasn't you know he, he got registered in time but we were being strict about DQs, putting people in the losers and stuff like that. And if I remember correctly, like we had to put them in losers and they weren't happy about that at all. And, you know, as TO, it's like, it's like Rick was saying, like, you can't take that personal, but you know, they, they came in hot and were like, well, why wasn't, I, I think actually they weren't even put in the bracket. It's one of those two situations, but either way, they weren't happy about it. And I just remember, you know, it just, it had, uh, I think, my my wife had to step up and basically had to take take it for me because like they were gonna like attack me personally and getting at me personally and she had to be like that was my decision this is what we're doing like you know that's that's final say like if you got a problem we'll talk about this later kind of thing mm-hmm. so it was a uh, yeah you know it was, it's just one of those things it's like you have rules to abide by and like you know it's like my biggest thing like when I when I run events is like I just want communication from a player. Like mm-hmm. it's, you know, if it's, you know, especially like Evo's coming up, one of the big things that I, you know, I've seen <clears> from some players that I don't see from others is like, you know, they'll, you know, you'll see the players that are like real kind of, um, that recognize that and they'll be like, Hey, I'm playing Mortal Kombat. I'm over here at this pool. Like, please don't DQB. And like, you know, if you give that TO that, that, uh, that heads up, like they know, and like, that's, you know, that's just being courteous, right? That's just being nice. And like, if you don't tell me that, then I'm going to start looking at like, well, I don't know who you are, top player, whatever. Like, you know, if you're not here, I'm going to be looking to DQ you. So, you know, at the very, at the very most, like, you know, or at the very least you should, you know, communication is a big thing. If you have to do something, if something comes up, because like, you know, matches can be held off. And um, it's one of those things, like, that's probably my biggest pet peeve from running tournaments. It's like people just not keeping me in the loop or, you know, in their situations. Like there's, there's so much going on in terms of like trying to, especially now queuing up matches for stream, right. you know, you know, getting, getting all that stuff sorted out that, you know, the last thing I need to think about is where is this person at? Now to hit on that again, uh, I think that's, that's a great point, right? You want communication, but it goes both ways, obviously. And yeah. I think the best way to like instill this type of behavior is to, to, um show it yourself right as a to yeah. and just show the empathy show the communication part of it and like lead by an example type thing right and then i think over time then you'll start getting that plus players if you're if you go to a tournament and the to is like friendly and understanding you want to go back right yeah <laughs> so i think i think that'll just foster good communication as you know you just keep being calm collected and like you're talking about yeah yeah that'd be my biggest that'd be my biggest advice uh outside logistics stuff you know those can be figured out um find a venue some you know another shop you know and just work with them but yeah, yeah. be adaptable yeah. learn to be empathetic and communicate yeah i think my my second biggest advice would be just you know just have snacks <laughs> <laughs> yeah 
or or have it at a pizza place so they can order pizza. <laughs> so okay, mm. we gotta we gotta get some background on this. <laughs> so I believe there was some tournament where I forget who ran the tournament, but someone ran it and people were criticizing it because there weren't people were hungry and there wasn't a way to get food. I don't know. So no, right? so the oh, thing, no, the you thing that going? happened. Yeah. So there's there's actually a, I I, I found my Facebook post for it. Um I, I don't have it up, pulled up right now, but basically it was like my general feedback about the turn. It was a ran bet. I think it was run by Steve Gannon. Oh, okay. Um, so I think it was a ran bet that he ran. And like, I'm pretty sure, because um, I was looking through the comments and stuff, like it ran, like a bunch of the games ran late because Tucson, a lot of Tucson players came late because some, you know, accident on the I-10. Mm-hmm. And I guess the decision was made that we were going to run later to allow those players to come there. So I ended up making like a big feedback post and like prefacing with like, you know, I did, you know, I've been a TO, like I understand what that side's like. So, you know, please don't just, you know, take this as nothing. And like, yeah, I remember like throwing in snacks in there as part of my feedback other than, you know, I think this, this should run on time regardless of the players that are, you know, arriving late. Like that's not something that's in our control and, you know, it does a disservice to, to the people that did show up on time and, you know, or were early. Because I remember from that specific tournament, there were people that uh, that had to leave because they couldn't wait around like the hour or a couple hours while the other while you know while the tournament was delayed. So that was like that feedback, and then like I had mentioned something about snacks, and then I think it kind of like dogpiled from there. Like where I think Scott and other people were like, "Hey, yeah, we should definitely have snacks. If you guys can put snacks in TGZ, this kind of thing." <laughs> like you know, then it started from there. So is that why they started carrying like little chips and Red Bull and stuff? Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I just remember like I left that feedback and I was just like, hey, I don't. I just remember know. going in there one day and be like, oh shoot, you got Red Bull. Let me grab one of those. Yeah. And see this. <laughs> I didn't know the story yeah. behind it. Yeah, that it, was, it, that it, was, was a, a, it was a meme for a little bit. <laughs> that's funny. I, I think that's actually like a really big point is that if you're a TO, you know, always ask for feedback and improvement because you're gonna like there's that's you can point. you can literally just ask your client base right then and there like what what yeah. what could we do better? But then on the flip side. <laughs> Like if you if they tell you what you could do better, you got to be able to handle it, um, yep. and you got to be yeah, able yeah, to don't execute. Don't take it personal, right? There's a um, actually side thing. There's a there's a book I highly recommend, uh, the Four Agreements, and one of the agreements is to not take things personally. Um, it's just in a life general thing. I think it's a, a good book to read. But yeah, going on that, don't take it personal. <laughs> By the way, that's an amazing book. It'll change the way you view. Uh, huh communication in general what's the name of the book again the four agreements the four agreements okay. yeah it's real short read real short very cool nice yeah so on the on the topic i mean we've been talking about just community building and toing um so we'll get on to our next topic here which is basically when do you ban something as a to so there's a lot of instances and um different examples of things that um could be bannable so the things we wanted to hit on were basically things that were like newly discovered in a game like uh like we mentioned earlier like the cgs2 role canceling mm-hmm. um then um also it could be um things provided by the devs like whether it's like new features or anything like that or how do you handle those kind of things and in relation to like say you're running a tournament next saturday and <clears throat> all of a sudden there's an update that comes out and it's just like hey are we going to allow this for this tournament or not yeah so- um it it's tough it's it's it was a lot easier pre like every every weekend a major tournament right 
Um, mm-hmm. I, sh- I should say, actually, I'm not saying it's easier. I'm going to say a lot harder. Uh, it's easier now because now you can just kind of follow what the big guys are doing. And oh. you want to, because you want to use that. Because again, going back to like your tournaments are, in my mind, you should be looking at them as um, sparring, right? You're, you're practicing, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yes, you're trying to be the best in your area, but if you're taking it serious, it means you're probably going to travel too. So, I look at that as a sparring thing. Well, if I'm going to make this as my practice regiment, then I need this to mirror what the big dogs are doing. So that way, when I go there, I'm not going to be caught off guard. Right. So I think it's easier yeah. now. I think you just kind of follow the big guys. If it's something brand new and they haven't made a decision yet. Okay. Well then at that point, say for example, a new character came out and a lot of people are griping saying it's too busted or it's right, not enough right. time to figure it out. Um, I think personally, if it was like within a week, probably would be banned but i would take a community vote for it if it was too close and i would have to make a decision about it right but when i say too close it would have to be two-thirds or better i i wouldn't take a 51 49 type vote um oh, okay <laughs> it needs to be like majority and yeah, yeah that's me personally that's how i would approach it now pre that stuff like for example role canceling right yeah. that's a good good yeah. example um actually could you give an overview of what role canceling was in cbs2 okay sure <laughs> so and CBS, unbiased. Yeah. Unbiased. Oh, you, wait, you like unbiased? <laughs> oh, I, thought, I, actually, I, thought you said, I thought you said you're biased. No, no, no. You like rolling? <laughs> yeah. All right. So uh, CBS2 has a mechanic called rolling, um, and you can use that to uh, go through projectiles, go through like regular hits, and but you can be thrown during the animation of a roll cancel. But you be, basically become just invulnerable. You can't be touched, right, besides a throw. Um, there's like a one or two frame, I think, recovery from the roll, but it, some of these characters are really fast rolls. Now, here's the big thing every character is different amount of frames per roll okay some have very fast rolls some have very slow rolls some have very long frame rolls even though it's a Hmm. small animation okay now kind of like a car throw where you can cancel a forward moving button into a throw animation you can do roll canceling but it's kind of like in reverse and so instead of hitting a button and throw you're going throw into a special and what happens is the game takes the mechanics of the of the roll all the invincibility you get but you don't roll. You're doing your special move. So prime example, this one's used all the time, Guile, Sonic Boom, right? So you can use that as an anti-air now, right? Somebody's <laughs> jumping in on you. We'll cancel Sonic Boom. And it's so slow, and boom, they get hit, right? Uh, you could do with any move, like Ken's Crazy Kicks was a good one to use. So you'd find a special move that had lower amount of frames than the actual roll itself. So the entire animation of your special move, special move all the way up to the point where you can block again is completely invincible. Oh okay. wow! Yeah, I was How, looking at the. Um, I was just gonna say I was looking at the super combo. Uh, .gg website, and yeah, was, the the way that they they wrote it out, it says roll canceling is a bug that allows players to apply the invulnerability of a roll to a special move. Yeah, exactly. Thereby making the startup of the special move invulnerable. See, they like, they should have gone a little further because some special moves are pretty quick. Blanc electricity, it's really fast. The entire animation of electricity now is completely invulnerable. Like what? That's not so. Me personally, my biased opinion should have been <laughs> banned. But how real, do you... real quick though, before before we get into that, so yeah, how how much did this change the game? Like how big of a deal was this? Completely changed it. So uh, the game, yes, was a slower paced game. It was a very zoned game. It didn't, there wasn't a lot of damage in the game. I mean, if you had all three bars, unless it was like a ratio four character or a couple special circumstances you're probably gonna do 30 percent damage right it's a it's low um depending on the character sagat is an example that can do more way more than that but uh 
once you added role canceling, the zoning aspect kind of went away. Everything became a little bit, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, you could just be, you could be way more aggressive. You didn't have to worry about being zoned out through fireballs. You can just go through the fireball. You can just walk and go through the fireball. Yeah. Like, like Cause, what? Because the <laughs> like, invincibility, right? Right. Yeah. And you didn't have to worry about being rolling in front of them and then getting thrown while you're trying to get through the fireball because that would be part of the game. So, for example, if like, you know, if you're just sitting half screen and somebody throws a fireball, you would, you could just roll right through it, right? And, and get past them and maybe punish them. But if it's a little bit further than that, no, or too close, then they can throw you. So that there was a big zoning aspect with rolling. Um, but now you're just like, hey, I'm Ken. I'm going to walk up and you throw a fireball. Cool. I'm going to crazy kick and I go right through it and whatever. I don't care. Or I'm going to do tattoo and just my start at tattoo is going to be completely invincible. I don't have to worry about being too far or too close. But whatever, huh. just whatever you want to think of. Think of any special move and now make it invincible. Like, what can you do? Blanca, <laughs> ball right through, whatever. Who cares? Right. Don't need a X meter for it anymore. Like, <laughs> so I okay. see the bias a little bit. So, I yeah. Okay. Care. But no, but I'm going to explain why it can't be banned. Okay, so uh, how how do you prove somebody's doing it on purpose? I mean, obviously yeah. they're, they're oh, abusing wow. it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, how do you like without seeing inputs or stuff like that? Yeah, like you wouldn't know. Right. It, I, it, that. I mean, yeah. I'm sure it probably got discovered by accident. Like, who's gonna go in there thinking they can cancel a roll? Right. It probably was like just accidental. Like, how did that happen? Why did I get? Why did that have invincibility? Like, yeah. What? And then you know how it works. You just figure it out. But. So that's first off, how do you stop it? But then secondly, because there's a lot of gripe about how slow the game was, the game was getting stale, there's only certain characters that you could play. People were oh. like, oh, you can only play Sagat, you can only play Cami, you can only play Blanca. You know, there was a very limited amount of cast because, yeah, yeah. I would agree with this. The, the, because of the, with the way the game was played, but pre-roll, um, it favored defensive characters. Okay. way more than it should have. Um, and I'm a defensive player, so, and I, I agree with that. I think it was way too defensive of a game. Once you had roll canceling, all of a sudden the entire roster opened up again. Yeah, okay. that's everything that's became viable. Everything okay. became yeah. viable. But on the flip side of it, it also made okay. So going to CBS two, there's six grooves you can pick. So you you pick mm -hmm. your characters, you you assign strengths to the characters. You have um, four points to decide, and then you have six grooves to pick. Some of the grooves will allow you to do special mechanics like rolling. C groove, one of them, yeah. right? Um, some don't. Like K groove does not allow you to do that, but it gives you just defense. So there's like different mechanics. Yeah, the yeah. introduction of roll canceling, but then also removed some of the grooves. Right. So basically, gotcha. you were down to C A and K. That was it. K okay. was kind of been like looked at as the anti roll canceling groove um, because your just defend recovery is so fast. So even if they did roll cancel, you just just defend it and you can punish them. But that's very very hard to do. <laughs> just defend yeah. is just a reverse parry. So you're just blocking, like whole... blocking on frame one. So other than the like, I was gonna say yeah. Other than like the lower tier characters kind of being more viable now, like that kind of changed like the whole meta of the game too. Because, the entire like, game yeah. changed, right? So yeah. I mean, be before that, in the beginning of the game, yeah, it's, you know, everything's open. But once they started getting like dialed in, yeah, it got kind of uh, it got kind of stale, kind of like an MVC two type thing where you had like your top eight characters and that was really about it type, right? And it was getting to that route, going down that road, and then uh, roll canceling came, and that really just opened everything up. So. So do you think it was overall good or bad for the game? Um, <laughs> I, I hate to say this because I am such like anti roll canceling. I, I do think it was good for the game. Um, now, I wish that they would have just made a new version of it. This is OK. Going back to the arcade, this is the problem with the arcade. You can't make an update, right? Yeah, like you, right. you can make an update. Sure. But do you think everyone's going to update their firmware on their? Yeah, arcade? Okay. 
You mean no. you couldn't just ask the devs on Twitter? <laughs> right. right. <laughs> so even if they made an update for the game, you think that, you know, Bob Ross or whatever from the arcade is going to, you know, update the machine? I don't, know why. I don't know why I said Bob Ross, but. I mean, uh, you know. might be a happy oh, I'm about to say accident. Billy Bob. I'm about to say Billy Bob and, you know, whatever, and Tennessee Arcade is going to update the machine. I don't even know how to do anything else but turn Bob it on, Ross. right? How's it going to yeah. update it? Um, I don't know why I said Bob Ross. It's terrible. But uh, <laughs> so. You can't just like what I would love to see is a new version, hopefully CBS three, but if CBS yeah. two was actually get redone again, but done it you know the correct way, I would love to see them to rebalance it, uh, make it maybe the damage up the damage a little bit, and get rid of roll canceling. And I think that would fix uh, the game. But as it currently stands, yeah, I think roll canceling made it a better game, even though I absolutely hate it. I think it's a horseshit mechanic. So why? <laughs> so why did you hate it? Just mainly because you're a defensive player, or were there, were there other reasons? No, I just because I I put all my time in learning that game for the way it was designed, uh -huh. and yeah. so I designed my teams like I was playing. Uh, one of my main teams was playing uh, Blanca Vega Blanca or Blanca Honda Vega, as I would say, and uh, they're all very defensive players, or defensive characters. I mean, Blanca can be offensive, but he actually really shines as a defensive character in that game. And I would just stand my ground and I just punish everything my opponent would do until roll canceling became a thing and I couldn't do that anymore. <laughs> so like a lot of those characters I had to like, okay, drop them off and learn some new ones. But I guess it was more of like, I just, it's just not how I like to play the game. I don't like to, I don't know. I don't like to be just all out offense and hope for the best type you. thing. Yeah. Yeah. I get you. Which I guess is why I'm not really good at versus games. I don't know. Maybe I should have well, picked up Morgan. Uh, Morgan. Morgan yeah. I want to, I want to pinpoint on, uh, you said at the game as designed. And so then we get into the conversation about whether or not, it, like, what is intentional in the game and what isn't intentional in the game. And if something is yeah. unintentional, should it be banned? Um, okay, I guess, I, I mean, let me rephrase that. I don't know if the devs ever, like, said it was okay <laughs> or not for this, um, but it was never put in the Probably manual, not, yeah. Right? Yeah. So I don't think it was intended. That's my, my opinion of it, but I think I got, I'm pretty, pretty certain that was not intended. <laughs> so... Just wanted to go back and say that. I I think for like uh, I, I'm not a Marvel two expert by any means, but I I have talked a lot with those guys and uh, the the guy the Desert Sky guys too. Um, yeah. And uh, you know, a lot of the one of them actually discovered one of the unblockable glitches. Uh, like Sentinel oh, nice. had an unblockable if you actually if you shoot a laser or something on an incoming character, oh, it's straight up unblockable. On and, a certain yeah, frame. you only get you only get one block action or something like that. Yeah, yeah, something like yeah. that. I think it was Carlos that actually discovered that one. Really? And, yeah, he's, yeah. He's an, he was an amazing player. And, and so I remember talking to a couple of Marvel players about that, and they were like, "Yeah, that that shit is tight. <laughs> like they like that stuff, yeah. or like snapback glitch. Like you get, basically yeah. you get an infinite on a character with a snapback glitch. Yeah, impotence, yeah, impotence. Right. You know what's funny, John, is that like I'm actually with them on a on a versus game. I love that stuff. Like, yeah. I love the infinites in you know Street Fighter uh, Marvel. Like, I love seeing the unblockables. I love seeing all the crazy just quote unquote cheesy stuff you could do in a versus game but yeah get out of my street fighter game <laughs> but yeah it's not, it's not intended though so like can you imagine right. a world where you would ban that in a versus game and like what would that I, like you, you kind of said that benny would you would you ban something like that uh well i don't know in terms of that like yeah i was gonna i was gonna ask about in terms of uh infinites and stuff like that because like um i don't think that that was i don't know if those were necessarily intended in certain games either but 
um i know that with infinites like i know some places like they talk about like you can do certain number of uh repetitions and then you gotta mm -hmm. let it go like that's one way that they oh, imp yeah, implemented yeah. ways of doing it right like you do this many reps. was like that yeah yeah like you could do this many reps and then if you do more like you know that's that's a decubable offense that kind of thing like i've heard things like that um I don't know. I guess one thing that I think about was like in vanilla Street Fighter Four. Um, I think it was after Super came out, or maybe right before they discovered those unblockables. Where like if you threw the fireball and then Ryu, yeah, yeah, oh, you yeah. Did, did the ultra at the same time, uh, the same like where it hit them behind, then it was unblockable. You had like the guaranteed ultra damage. Yeah, so, if like, it was basically the hitboxes on both sides of the character at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. So like, I mean, how do you guys feel about something like in terms of that? Um. Well. The way I look at that is going even with the infinite thing too. If if it's just one character that can do that, and it's becoming way too easy for them for players to actually get that infinite or get that unblockable, and it's actually making the match unfair. Uh, if it's just one character doing that, that's where I would go. Okay, maybe it's time to ban this character. Now, if it's the entire cast that can do that, you'd let it rock. <laughs> that's yeah. just the way it is. You, you can't know? ban the whole game, right? Yeah, you can't ban <laughs> yeah. the whole game. Well, I was gonna say like. Well, do you have to necessarily bend the character? Could you? I mean, could you could just? I mean, for that particular one, I think that's a really kind of specific example. Like maybe bend that specific, that specific action. Like you can play this character. You just yeah. can, you know you're not allowed to do this. Okay, but what if it's an accident? How do you prove it? So oh, in case in case this is what's going back with the role canceling, yeah. So yeah. in the yeah. case of Ryu, like okay, Fireball Ultra. Oh yeah, very, I threw a Fireball. You could, you could very easily mash that on an accident, right? Yeah. So that's true. I. I personally try to avoid banning things for like that type of game mechanic, unless it's a a game crashing mechanic that is <laughs> involved, right? Like there's a couple Marvel ones that are pretty involved to do. Um, CVS two, actually, I discovered one. Um, funny enough, I can I was able to freeze arcade games anytime I wanted. It was it was great uh, <laughs> for some reason, and it was an accident. Uh, if I did crouch fierce uh, Blanca, his big fist and yeah. frame one canceled it to level three super game froze every time right so uh it's tough if, it, if it's an involved type process because even that one could be accidentally done that's easy to yeah that's yeah, how, exactly, I, that's yeah. how I discovered that... it you know <laughs> yeah because then like you're uh, going into the whole story of tough like or the whole the whole uh the whole part of like well what if somebody does that and like crashes the game like how would you even like rule on something like that you know what i mean yeah <laughs> yeah i mean like so an, an involved glitch you know like guile's handcuff glitch or something like that 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 takes a lot of effort that's definitely somebody intended to do that okay that's bannable offense yeah i think a lot of it has to do with how uh how blatant it is so like uh i right. i'm excited to get a smash player on on the podcast sometime because i know that they're like their smash scene is all about like rule sets you know that's like yeah, the, yeah. The DNA, right? And one of the tactics in Brawl, which was one of the lesser received games, but uh, is stalling, and that's a really nebulous and ambiguous topic. But you could pl you could play a character that could essentially fly over and above the stages and just run the timeout, get a life lead, run the timeout. And there's an equivalent to that in Marvel, where you could also well, those those are the game breaking glitches, right? Where you just fly up to the top of the screen. I think Gambit had that. You fly up to the top of the screen and you get you get a life lead and you you run the yeah. timer out that way. And so there's very clear reasons to ban that, but then you have right. like how do you how do you enforce it? You know, is it the number of reps like what Benny mentioned, that kind of stuff? Or on the flip side, like, is it easy to do? Um like 
uh, El Fuerte uh, to this day in Street Fighter Four has an infinite. Uh, mm-hmm. and it's just it's it, they didn't they didn't they didn't fix it. They didn't they didn't uh, remove it from the game. They just the damage calculations make it not optimal after a while, and it's maybe, really hard to do. <laughs> maybe maybe it would be banned now with Hitbox. I don't know if it's easier with Hitbox or not. Maybe. But, <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, Jeff brought up a good point in the chat. He's talking about Hugo's infinite and um and Street Street Fighter Three Second Impact, uh, but that was a very like situational infinite right um and hugo is regarded as like the worst character in the game so i think people let it slide <laughs> they were like well he needs that thing <laughs> right okay. if you get stuck in a corner and i think it's like air grab clap clap I, jeff will have to correct me if i'm wrong on that and uh <laughs> so i, I yeah man. there's a degree Whatever. of showmanship to it too right where it's like yeah. this is so hard to do or this is this character needs it so bad that like we we want to let it rock because it's it's kind of hype to see that yeah. it's hype to see a character that's like build is shitty to actually do something really cool it's hype to see someone doing a really high execution infinite uh and then win the game right. off that you know i think yeah. we've been kind of blessed uh with capcom games not really i mean yeah there's some broken elements to the games every game does but yeah. overall i don't think there's been very many like uh instances where we're like oh shoot what do we need to do about this right um i have a pretty hmm? I have a thing for that. Um, so Street Fighter Five, after you stopped playing it, uh, Dan came out. Dan had an infinite where in the corner he would oh, yeah. just, he would loop a fireball, right? Um, and they couldn't figure out rather nobody knew like we had that same debate. Do we do we ban that? It's kind of hard to do it consistently. So is it Dan it's, had it's an sauce? Infinite? Dan had an infinite. It's also Dan and everybody is like, OK, Dan sucks out of the gates, you know, um, yeah. so, so maybe he needs it. And then somebody did it in a, in a Capcom Pro Tour event and killed no off of it. Yeah, because there's minimum scaling yeah. on super. So he just did it for a certain amount of reps and then just did a super and won the game. It was like, I think he, he like did it to Daigo. Like this was, <laughs> this was a Japanese player that did it. Yeah. Or okay. Moroto or something is his name. And so the way Capcom addressed that in a future patch was they gave him a, they gave him a red fireball happens randomly randomly yeah and it has yeah. different to- oh, different different properties that causes a juggle which forces the which breaks the infinite it, it knocks him into the air so and it's dan so it was like a an homage to an older game where he just had ran hit rng in yeah. his in his move set and so yeah. they, there's creative ways you can actually uh remove that stuff or ban it so you're soft banning the infinite while still leaving it in for fun you know and just rolling the dice i think this is the other part of it too is that you know we're blessed that we haven't had too many instances of it and then we're also like okay we're in the age of like instant patching yeah right um so the the times it's going to come up as a to it might be like mid-match like that like what do you do (laughs) right uh i don't know that's i I think if it's a mid-match discovery unless if it's a game-breaking discovery like the game freezes okay you gotta address it if it's like an infinite somebody just just discovered and that's their tech I think you got to let that tournament go and then afterwards have a discussion to figure out what you want to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, thankfully I haven't that's, had that's any. That's an interesting. Any... I, I have never had that happen. Uh, yeah. Running TO, I was gonna so. say... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. I'd be definitely, I mean, I, I don't know if that'd be something that could happen nowadays, especially with like this whole social media and everybody wants to be the first. Yeah. Everyone shares everything. Mm-hmm. Like, I figured this out. Hey guys, I want my credit instead of like saving it for evo and be like hey let me pull this out at evo and like oh wait like we didn't know that this was even possible you know i see going back to the old days i i do miss that i do miss that whole like save it for save it for regionals right like save Save the nationals yeah yeah uh so 
even in local tournaments, you like if it's somebody that you're afraid that we're going to talk to somebody else, like you throw. You a just game. wouldn't do it. Yeah. Wouldn't wouldn't you worry about like not having practiced it in a tournament setting at that point? Like, like... oh, but you had your core group, right? So okay. yeah, yeah, fair enough. Well, yeah, at least I did. I mean, keep I'm it just, hush hush. Yeah. <laughs> another man, another thing I was thinking about here is like, what would so to tie it to modern times? Um, the Dragon Ball community had a had a character that they all agreed like voted on a ban for recently. Um, okay. Oh yeah. Uh, lab coat 18 or lab coat 21 i think is her name and it's it it isn't that she breaks the game or it isn't that she has an infinite or is an automatic win button but she just has a mechanic that actually makes the game less fun and i'm quoting a friend on that one in that (laughs) it just forces you to do like she she like grabs you and then uh your character just does 20 percent less damage for the rest of the game oh there's no timer it's just for the rest of the game for the rest of the game Yeah. yeah And you can wow. do that to the entire team, and it slows the game down, and it just the apparently game's already makes it not slow. fun. Yeah, the game's yeah. already really slow. So they had a community-wide vote on whether or not they should ban that character, and I believe they they decided to let that character rock. Um, so I'm curious about huh. both of your guys' perspectives as TOs when it's less so about game-breaking, it's less so about intention or anything, but like the community is up in arms about something. When do you ban like what would be your criteria? That, that goes it goes back to what I was saying about the voting. I need I would need yeah. personally I would need to see a, a, a two to one vote. Two to one. Um, if it's if yeah. it's too close, then I, you it's a lose lose situation, right? Yeah. I would need to have a majority, like actual majority. Um, that way it's like yeah, I'm, I'm you're gonna offend somebody. You're gonna make somebody mad. You yeah. gotta make it the smallest group as possible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I would yeah, I would have to agree. Like I mean yeah, I think I would probably look to like the community and see get their feedback to see how people really feel about it because obviously you're gonna have the people that like that character or play that character they're gonna say like well why 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 is this a big deal and then they're gonna start bringing up examples of other things or you know similar things like that and then yeah so I mean at that point it's like you become you know like like Rick said like, there's gonna be people upset about it but you know you have to go with like what the the two thirds majority says because at that point it's it's more it's more of a community aspect and you're kind of letting letting that kind of dictate your decision that more saying like you know what as the to i'm doing this and then you know not getting feedback i think getting the feedback is definitely a a big part of that especially from the community the competitive community just so you know so you you know give give people their opportunity to kind of explain both sides of it or you know what the problems are yeah you have an open platform let everybody like discuss it right um and then have a vote and then make your decision and just try to like be as understanding is possible and just lay it all out be like look guys uh never want to do this but here we are we have to do it this is my reasoning for it i hope you guys understand like and it goes back to the very beginning about you know lessons being learned as to or thing or not lessons but advice to give and this goes right back into that communication part of it you're trying to be as open as you can be um exactly. again we're, we live in an age where it's instant patching and you know uh, players and tos can talk directly to the developers now which is super cool so Hopefully these things don't come up very often, but if it did come up, that's how I would approach it. Okay. Now, I guess this is a for fun question for both of y'all too, is if you could go back in time and ban something, um, besides role canceling, because we've already talked about that, <laughs> what would what would ban you ban? Something. If anything, hmm. if anything. That's a good question. Wow. I just uh, sprung yeah. that on you guys. I I, yeah. I can go first actually. Yeah, um, yeah. Go ahead, go ahead and go uh, first. That, yeah. Give you guys some time. Uh I would ban the the DHC glitch from Marvel 3. Uh, as somebody that played Marvel 3 a lot, I think that 
that yeah. really like it was it, it was discovered so it was in this weird spot uh where youtube was becoming a thing social media was becoming a thing and so stuff was starting to be shared so that that tech like proliferated quicker than than average at that time and so mm -hmm. what ended up happening is the game had just come out and it was still in its formative stage where people were experimenting and stuff. And then DHC glitch comes out and everybody just flocks to it immediately. And it actually killed a lot of like the early parts of the game uh, yeah. where, you know, everyone's got to play a character that can take advantage of that now. Um, yeah. Versus if you compare that to like a, like that same Marvel, Marvel three series where TAC infinites were a thing. Was, that actually was okay to let rock because it made more characters viable. But yeah. DHC glitch, I think, actually would have uh, it hurt the game a lot, and it it was a testament to uh, the developers' opinions as well when they removed it in the follow up in Ultimate. I I like that one. Um, I'm I wasn't a more than a semi competitive, <laughs> I guess, casual Marvel three player when it first came out. Uh, but I like that one. I'm still thinking about mine. If you got one, Benny, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I, honestly, I I don't know if there's anything really crazy in anything that I've so, played. Also for fun, game. like if you want to yeah, ban a character, yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. no. Yeah. I just thought you know, because the reason why I'm like thinking I was like, was well, there a character I want to ban? So going yeah. back to like you know when I first started playing in CBS, and then I was like, okay, I'm gonna get good. That's when I started going. I'm not a character loyalist anymore. I am gonna play what I think is the best. And so like I don't have. That people are like it's funny like oh niners i always think i'm a blanca player i'm like no he was just really good in vanilla like stupid good like he was like the only yeah. character he beats the guy like what and he beats shotos too like yeah guy's amazing like whatever he has like basically an unblockable ultra like good luck um three three repetition jab electricities that you're forced to block like yeah this is awesome <laughs> like i'm gonna play this character um but i put a lot of time into him so i kind of stuck with him until i was like screw it i went to cannon bison but um so I've been on the end of playing characters that people wish were banned, like Vega and Super Turbo, uh, Nakaru and CVS1. So I don't want to ban a character because I chased them. Give <laughs> me the best character. <laughs> if I can play it, I'm going to play it. Like, I want to win. Jeez, uh, so I'm trying to think of, yeah, see, there's Jeff Nakaru banned by Rick. <laughs> yeah, they ain't happening, buddy. Sorry. I don't um, know, I'd say, man. I would say for fun, I would say Vanilla Sagat. Because okay. if I remember correctly, he's the only character in that game that could do, I think somebody, I think I saw it somewhere, 700 damage, like full ultra everything. Like he was the only character that could do that. Yeah, I remember. So I think, I think for fun, like, yeah, that would probably be my biggest thing. Honestly, like with me in that matchup, like I didn't really, I didn't really care for it. Because it was like, <laughs> yeah, nobody. I don't think any Honda player cared for. Oh, no, 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 I don't. I, I don't mean it in that in that sense. I oh, mean yeah, it more like terrible fucking matchup. I, I, <laughs> I don't like for me those kind of matchups, even though they're terrible, you know, on paper and you know, playing on the other end. Like, I actually kind of like those matchups because like, it's a, it's almost like playing a Ryu player. There's so many Ryu players out there, so for me, it's just like even if that character is like arguably or without argument better than mine, like I'm more comfortable in that matchup because I play it so often. So when I saw somebody pick Sagat, I was just like, yeah, whatever. You know, I understand I, this I match. I got what I want to ban now. I want to ban all grapplers. I fucking hate grapplers. So <laughs> I, have, I have a mental block against grapplers. I, like, choke against them. Me and too. I, I hate it so much. When they get close, my heart rate jumps to 180. I don't know what to fucking do anymore. <laughs> like, I don't even know my name. I'm like, god damn. <laughs> <laughs> what, what grappler specifically what would do you have a it's different for game i mean like uh the one, the one that you hated the most like seth, I got Zangief. seth? 
That's a oh, fucking man. grappler. And yeah. He's also got a fucking he's fireball got a DP. DP. Like, <laughs> stupid ass character Armando would piss me off to no end. Because he was, <laughs> he even admitted to me, he's like, dude, I never took this game serious. I just thought it was a cool character. I could do whatever I want. Played like Marvel. I was like, I fucking hate that so much. I get the Marvel trash Van- out of Street Vanilla Fighter. Seth was, like, I think, <laughs> could have been, would have been at the top. If you know, if you think about it now, had so yeah. many tools, had the, the oh, yoga man. sniper even then at that point. Like, man, so many tools. <laughs> I, mean, I think in the beginning, he had like 875 health, which was way too much for all the tools he had. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, fuck grapplers, get him out of here. You know who agrees with me too? Justin Wong. He has the same problem. He hates the <laughs> same reason. He chokes on them. He's like, I don't know what to do anymore. I mean, you get, you get put in that blender, man. It's tough. Like, especially when they get that read on you, you get that one SPD or whatever. And it's just like, all right, I'm going to jump. And then they knock you out of the air. And you're just like, oh, man. <laughs> Yeah, Mika was terrible in five when I first was oh, playing five. I was like, yeah. God damn it, here we go again. <laughs> Mika was yeah. pretty dumb in five. But also, <laughs> I have my five. own. I have my own problems with like I don't know how it is now because I'm not gonna. I I respect. First off, let me say this: I respect the game. I think people that are good at the game are good players. It's just not my not my cup of tea. Sure. Um, but like with the way the game is like played, like you don't really get a chance to get away from somebody when they're on you. And when Mika's on you, she was just yeah. on you. Like, <laughs> That's funny because you, know. you mentioned you mentioned Mika, and I'm just like, I always have trouble playing against Jeff, and that who Jeff played. Oh yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, fits, it fits his style perfect, right? So those, yeah. those rough times, man. <laughs> One of these days, we're gonna uh, actually Jeff have a, like a specialist grappler player on the podcast and ask them who they would ban. And it'd probably be something like Sim or something. Yeah, right. You know, what's funny is like when I'm not playing against the grappler, right? Uh, I love watching grapplers play. Like, uh, man, I remember when Van Geep was like pretty big in Street Fighter. Oh, Fighter. yeah. I loved Van watching Geek, him. Yeah. He was like Thank one of my guys. favorite players to watch. Like that guy, seeing That's... a grappler actually come back from like an unwinnable matchup as a spectator mm-hmm. is awesome. As the player, it yeah, you might as well get two nooses. Like, yeah. <laughs> Van Geek's a really good example because yeah. he 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 burst onto the scene as a pad, pad like people called him Pad Geef because yeah. he was yeah. one of the few people that could do a walking seven twenty because that wasn't that was way easier on pad than it was mm-hmm. on stick. And so there was a conversation about do we ban pads? Yeah, that pads didn't go anywhere, down. obviously, because that's a dumb right. idea. But like people yeah. were thinking about that kind of stuff back then, even. <laughs> oh yeah, and then it carried over the hitboxes and. Oh yeah. Do we want to? What, you want to go modern there? Do what do we? What do you guys think about the hitbox debate? Should we ban them or no? I think it's dumb. I know you, you, you just use the tools that are available. You know, everybody has the same access to every tool. So <laughs> as long as it's not breaking the game, I don't care. Fair enough. Yeah, I know I that there have... were certain games that hitboxes you can do. You can block. You can block twice. Block. Yeah, yeah, yeah which ways. is yeah. obviously that shouldn't be allowed. But if the game yeah. is not broken by a controller, that's fine. I know, like uh, Fnatic got a lot of heat because he would like have macro buttons. Yeah, on his stick and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, you know, for doing quick try dashes or something like that. And uh, I was like, you can get a controller to do the same thing. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's like as long as it's not doing anything game breaking. Like, yeah, the, the blocking on both sides things come to mind. But I mean, yeah, as long as it's not doing anything like, yeah, game breaking in that sense. Like, I mean, I don't really have a huge problem with it. That's actually funny you bring that up because um, um, it's actually in our AZ group from uh, from Mocha Latte posted about the yeah. hitbox like i don't know if you saw that i'm pretty I stayed sure. out of that one <laughs> yeah what, what I, I was i was he was talking about uh banning hitbox and like how it you know how much of a advantage it gives you and especially specifically in street fighter and how he was going to use it himself um, well here's the thing you, you can't just grab a hitbox go play and expect to be better you got to spend time learning how yeah. to use that controller right yeah yeah so that's why i don't i don't think it's 
a question about banning it. Like you have to invest time learning how to use a new tool. It's not like, oh, I'm yeah. just going to grab this now. All of a sudden I'm better. No, you invested in that. Like you, you had to work yeah. to get better at that tool. Some people are better on pad than they can ever be on anything else. Right. Yeah. So like Van Geek example, like putting them on a hitbox or a stick, you probably would be terrible. So yeah. I don't know. I mean, you, st- you see top players playing with everything. So that's another argument. Be like, why would I ban it? There's like top eight with every controller you can imagine. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, you got hitbox players, you got sticks, you got pads. Like, yeah, it's all over the place. So this is this is my last question to you all. Um, sure. The uh, one of the first rules that I saw when I was joining tournaments uh, back in 09 or 10, 10 or something like that um, was turbos are banned. Uh, mm. okay. And so I'm curious. Like, I, I, it made sense back then. <laughs> Would you guys ban them in 2022? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 100%. You would? Yeah, I would, I would. I still, I think I still would. Uh, I mean, in all honesty, like, especially even in some of the older games, like, Turbo isn't as big as an advantage as you think. Because, like, I, I even got accused of using that with, like, Honda when I played with Street Fighter Four, And I'm like, you can go look at my inputs. Because, like, I had a weird way of doing hands. I didn't do, like, a piano or slide method. I mm-hmm. literally tapped, I tapped light three times and I tapped heavy three times. And to everybody else, they're like, how the wow. hell did you do that? That seems so slow. That seems so slow. I was like, yeah, I was like, just watch my inputs. And like, yeah, I got accused of using Turbo. But it's like, if you've ever watched, you know, if you've seen, seen match uh, replays or whatever, you see people's inputs, it's like 15 to 20 inputs. So it's just like, you know, you lose a sense of control with that. But I mean, I, uh, I don't know. I guess it, it would kind of depend on the game, too, because it's just like, I don't think it's, I don't think it's super crazy, but. It's, yeah, it's, I mean, it's funny you brought up the hands thing is like i'm not trying to, to gloat or anything but when i went to japan um in 09 actually vanilla was pretty new and i went to multiple arcades i just wanted to play all the players out there uh, i got to play against mov that was awesome and um it was funny this goes back to the vanilla thing i beat his sagat like 7-0 he switched to ken i lost 10 in a row i couldn't beat ken for some reason regardless right. anyways i'm doing i'm playing blanca and in japan back then they would have like eight cabinets on one side eight on the other side so like 16 street fighter 4 cabinets and they're all linked up and like you just press ready and you'd randomly get placed against one of the other eight against uh, on the other side you don't know who it is it's not directly yeah. it's like all linked together so it's kind of cool um and i was like just doing my jab electricity pr- uh, pressure right and i would have these like young japanese kids like turn around like looking at my hands <laughs> like how are you doing that but it's, it's funny because like you know jeff could attest this too Back in the day, you would do what's called pianoing, and in like Street Fighter Two, you had one frame to do a reversal. So you would do your DP motion as you're coming up, and you would just hit jab, strong, fierce, yeah. like one, two, three, and then you would have six chances because you had button down and button up that both counted as a button to press. So you'd have six chances yeah. to get that one frame reversal. So I was already accustomed to pianoing. So the way I do electricity is I go jab, strong, fierce, jab, fierce. So I just boom, 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 right quick five input so it's just funny because that goes back to the whole like you know turbo thing but i crafted my way of getting five inputs within a second basically um i took my time now if i had a turbo not very fair so jeff is in the chat right now and for those Mm -hmm. who haven't caught our previous episode we interviewed jeff and he had he told this story about uh an st or it might have been just it might have been street fighter 2 champion edition um, back then, a lot of folks didn't know the intricacies of the game, like something like, hey, you you can charge while jumping. And yeah. What, what yeah. ended up happening was uh, Jeff said he learned that because a guy came over from Japan, came to the, came to their arcade and beat their asses with that over and over and over again oh, until I I know he, he eventually learned that. And it's 
fascinating to hear that you basically did that same thing but reverse. So you went to a Japanese arcade, you <laughs> taught a USA, bunch of young Japanese <laughs> people. They're probably like some some white guy was playing playing an arcade, he just playing Blanca. However, they say that in Japanese. <laughs> it was great because I game in Sakura. That's a smaller arcade. That's where I played MOV, and it was like only four uh, stations. And ah, game uh, in? That's that's where that comes from. Okay, mm-hmm. fair enough. And um, it's like in an old town like it's like old people town like retirement area and uh I just, i'm trying to find the best players i was i stayed in shinjuku because i was trying to face mm-hmm. daigo because that's apparently where he was practicing never saw mm-hmm. it which sucked but uh i did a lot of traveling and i went to game in and it's a small little four cabinet thing and so that's why we kept getting mashed up over and over again nice. and then yeah that's when some of the kids would come around and were like how what why is this white boy beat the movie it was great it felt good you might have been, I, I might have actually went to the same arcade as you. I stayed in Shinjuku as well. Um, uh, the game, the Taito no, Station? I, I went to Taito Station, yeah. Is that is that There's... Game In, same thing? or No, no, no. Game In, Sakura is in a smaller town. Oh, okay. Uh, it's not in Shinjuku. It's, okay. I can't remember the district. Um, it's like a retirement area. And so it's like a really tiny two-story arcade, uh, you know, like where Game In, or no, I'm sorry, but like Taito Station's like seven stories or something like that. Yeah, Sega, yeah. All the Sega's are like six, seven stories. That's um, true. But no, no. So this is going back to that. Like it was, it was great to see them. But like, how how is he doing this without Turbo? You know, like how is he cheating? <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. Speaking, yeah. Going back to the Turbo thing, I I would actually, I don't agree with you guys. I would let it rock. Um, in really? today's age, yeah, I think that they've already built it into the games. Like Turbos are good for getting links, right? Um, and they've they're already making games easier to to like they're making links easier, they're making combos easier, and so you don't why think not? It's, you don't think it's gonna make a game easier for somebody uh i think the games are already getting so easy that turbo oh. is it, the, the the advantage of that's using turbo is not there yeah yeah that's basically it not like before okay yeah gotcha. yeah so I'd, I'd let it rock in the same way that i'd let hmm. uh people using directional buttons rock and they're already doing <laughs> that you know <laughs> that's interesting yeah i i guess uh i can't think of like a modern game that we could take advantage of a turbo but I, I guess I'm only afraid of it breaking a game, like putting so yeah. many inputs into something and all of a sudden you're getting something that's not intended, right? Yeah, that's something that I think you'd have to worry about in the arcade world, right? Where you'd crash the whole machine, right? <laughs> yeah. Fierce in the level three super, yeah. <laughs> I, I, it was crazy when that happened too. I was like, what? And I tried it again and I went to the next machine. I was like, oh my God, it's actually the thing. <laughs> my only bug discovery I ever uh, found. Cool. Well... Uh, that was a riveting conversation, but we are pretty pretty low on time at this point, I think. So oh, I just want to say real quick because you get um you know you're talking about uh inter- you know how I've introduced some people onto the scene. Um, yeah. I mean the same things happened to me, and like with Jeff and Scott, they they're the ones that really you know welcomed me, and so um, really got to thank them more. Honestly, I think they're the the real true pillars of Arizona, and I just kind of carried the torch as much as I could. Uh, started off as selfish reasons, but really uh, they're the ones that kind of set the example for me and then i just kind of went with it so nice shout outs to your boys <laughs> um do you have any anything you'd like to to plug for for the stream here for the podcast listeners yeah i mean if you want to listen to uh some of the music i do you can look up um i'll just put the links in the uh chat window and that way it comes up on the stream here um i'll put my yeah, little facebook it. links up there and then you can from there there's like a link tree and stuff you can use to find my music so this is my hardcore um page and i will get back to here 
And this is my brand new base pay, base project page. It's not a lot going on yet, but there is a lot of productions happening in the background. You can't really tell probably, but this is my studio. I guess you can tell with the sound treatment in the back. Um, yeah, so uh, if you want to reach out to me personally, you can find me there. If you just listen to some music, you can find me there too. Cool. Yeah. I'll put it on, say... on the stream here too, so, or for the video as well. Yeah, I see the chat yeah. in, the, in the stream, in the video, so. There we go. Yeah, I see it in the chat. I was just gonna say, just yeah, for those of you that that listen to this and don't uh, watch the vod, it's uh, Facebook.com/slash DJ Core, and it's DJ spelled out D E E J A Y K O R E, and then the other one's Facebook.com/slash Random Music, where it's R three N D Music. Thank you. Very cool. And uh, some. I guess quick announcements for the rest of our uh, the the remaining episodes of our podcast. Remaining is a weird word to put it. But, <laughs> yeah, it's like um, oh, we're ending soon. Yeah, <laughs> season yeah. one. Uh, our next episode is uh, to just a reminder from the pre from earlier announcements. We're switching to a weekly format, so our next uh, episode will air next week, as well as uh, we're changing the schedule slightly, so we're moving from Wednesdays to Thursdays. So our uh, next showing is going to be on next Thursday. I believe that is the 4th of august can you spoil the next guest i don't know benny do you want to do you want to go ahead and announce that uh sure yeah so uh one thing that we really didn't want to focus on was just to be a street fighter or capcom focused uh podcast we want to talk to anybody that's been involved in the fgc uh in arizona and we're actually going to talk to two modern players it's going to be sean dude and we'll get paid oh um, nice they, they actually just had a tucson versus phoenix 10 v 10 for tekken so we're going to talk about that and, you know, a few other things. Uh, still got to brainstorm some things with that. But those are who we're going to talk to next week on Thursday. So yeah. we're looking, for, looking forward to that. I think a big thing, too, is that guys. that episode will also be the, the episode right before Evo, right? Like, I think a couple yeah. of days after that, we're going to just be all going over to Evo. And so I think we're going to even spend some time on, you know, what is what is it like to go to Evo for the first time? What is what are do you should you bring snacks? Well, you know those, those kinds of those kinds of questions. What's, bring, like, how you do know, you stay alive? You don't bring right? snacks. You bring absinthe. But you know, you bring absinthe. It's a story for another <laughs> another episode, maybe. You know what? I we're we were low on time, but I want to hear a story about Evo and someone getting kicked out of a casino. Can we can we fit that <laughs> oh, one in here, Rick? Okay, yeah, sure. So you can swear. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm just trying to remember what year it was. I think that might have been the year I switched to Ken. Maybe I don't know. It doesn't matter. So it, it's a uh, Evo at uh, Rio, right? So I started watching this uh, YouTube series called um, Action Figure Therapy, and they take GI Joes and they put them on a little couch and they just like talk about their angry issues, and it's hilarious. If you haven't seen it, it's freaking hilarious. And so I found they had <laughs> shirts, and one of the characters has massive anger problems. And in, in the video, he's talking about how somebody steals his uh, parking space in Best Buy. And he says, I'm going to butt fuck your soul. So I was like, that's fucking hilarious. And I saw the shirt. And I was like, I'm going to buy the shirt. And I'm going to use this to intimidate my opponent. That was the goal, right? And so <laughs> I show up to the tournament I, at 9 o'clock in the morning. I got first pools. Oh, yeah. And I play until like 9 p.m., right? So I'm there 12 hours. No problem at all. I even had G4 TV guys come up to me and are like, oh, my God, that shirt's amazing. I want to interview you, but I can't put you on TV. I'm like, that's totally cool. <laughs> right? I'm pretty drunk at this point anyway, so I'm like, you don't want to talk to me. And because uh, I, I lost, I'm just like coaching and watching my you know fellow players play. So we decide, hey, it's time to gamble. 
so we went across the street to Gold Coast Casino. If you guys don't know, Gold Coast Casino is probably one of the shittiest casinos in Vegas. It's like one star, if that. So we walk <laughs> in, we go to the craps table. I put a couple hundred dollars down. I put my bet down. Right away, I get tapped on the shoulder, and I look around, and this guy's like body body armor on, two guns on his hips, and I'm like, what the heck's going on? He's like, you got two options. You can change your shirt, or you can leave our casino. I'm like. <laughs> all right fair all right let me grab my money and so i tell the you know the dealer i need to cash out and i get my money i turn around now there's three of them and they <laughs> escort me out of the casino because of a shirt that said i will butt fuck your soul so i change my shirt and i go back in the casino and I, i'm like i go back to the craft table because i just want to gamble at this point my tournament's over right so yeah. the, the the dealer one of the dealers anyways He's like, so what happened? Why did you leave? I'm like, oh, they kicked me out because my shirt. He's like, what did it say? It says, I will butt fuck your soul. And it's like old Asian guys like, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> and I was like, what? What's so wrong about that? Like, you guys have all these prostitutes all over your casino, like free pornography everywhere. But you're worried about sodomy. I'm like, hmm, that's interesting. So it became a thing where I tried to get kicked out of a casino every year for like four years or something like that. And so like the next year I wore a shirt that said cunt puncher. Um, <laughs> did not get kicked out of a casino, but uh, was not was not a fan. The ladies did not like me at all that, that weekend. There's a couple other ones I can't remember, but yeah, yeah. So you, I got I got escorted out by three fully armed body armor, two fucking pistols on each hip. Like, yeah, it was good. Yeah. They got a they got a good haul that day. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, protecting the community, you know. <laughs> all right, with that, own. we're gonna yeah, we're gonna call it a night here. <laughs> Thanks very much to Rick for for joining us, and as always, oh, yeah. uh, have a I'll, I'll have a good night. I'll definitely come back. Let me know if you guys want me back again. Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah we sure, got more man. stories for sure. <laughs> I oh, I got I got stories for for weeks. <laughs> like, yeah. so. Cool, cool. Right. Um, Thanks night, again, guys. Rick. No problem, Thanks, guys. We'll talk to you later. Oh, I need to play the theme music now. This is so cool. <laughs> it's still a hot mic, but whatever. <laughs> Gonna be, I'm gonna add that to my Bannacle uh, TO offenses t shirts. <laughs> no offensive t shirts. I'm gonna catch you right at the door while you reg. <laughs> like, I'm gonna have to ask you to pay my venue fee. That's okay. <laughs>